Hey, who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 136. 136. One day, I shall come back. Oh dear, we are in trouble, aren't we? I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. I have the advantage of being slightly ahead of you. Sometimes behind you, but normally ahead of you. But the trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. The meteor storm that the sky above us was dancing with lights. Purple, green, brilliant yellow, yes! I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. It's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Just remember who's standing in your way. Look at the eyebrows. These are attack eyebrows. You can take bottle tops off with these. Howdy do, who fans? Oh, you've all had a cracking week? And uh, you've all managed to do something Doctor Who related. Mm. Watch a DVD. Play with a some DVD. figures. Yeah, a DVD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe you've watched a plethora of videos and tweets and Facebook <laughs> and blogs and all sorts. I know I have. Have you? Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Been very opinionated week for who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, which will come on to soon. It's all kicked off, isn't it? It has, yeah. Ruffled a few feathers, I believe. Yeah. I was trying to spy what mug you, what Doc 2 mug you got this week, because you were dancing so much in the intro. <laughs> that's what I was trying to, that's why I was moving from side to side. I wasn't dancing. I was trying to see which mug it was you've oh, got this week. Yeah. Is it the Tom Baker one? Uh, yes. Oh. And a a favourite. Yeah. Do you like a jelly baby? Yeah. We do like to compare mugs before we kick off, listeners. I've normally got a Doctor Who on my end and Gary a Doctor Who on his end. Uh, I haven't got one today. I've just got a I've just got a Guinness glass. (laughs) But I'm not drinking. It's it's only got water in it. But um, yeah, I've just got a pint of water. That's to wash down the Guinness you've just had. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We are recording slightly later uh, today, aren't we? So I've. I've started early. We start, yeah, yeah why not? Yeah. Anything after 11 is fine. That's when the pub's open, <laughs> isn't it? 11. That's right. So by law, it's okay after 11 o'clock. Yeah. You've probably got something in that tea, haven't you? You've probably got a, a, a Jameson's whiskey in there. Well, I didn't want to say, but <laughs> now that you've blew the, you know, the cover, a few miniatures knocking about. <laughs> Coming yeah. up in today's show, uh, only one bit of news, but it's a bit of a, uh, a bit of a controversial bit of news. Mm. Something that sprang to life uh, quite timely, should I say, in the run-up to Series 10. Yeah. And then we've got some really cool merch, actually. Got a few mm. few cool bits. One of them is definitely going to break the bank, that's for sure. It's going to break banks. It's going to break hearts. <laughs> of the, all of those that yeah. can't afford it. It's a yeah. bit like an 80s love ballad. Mm. <laughs> it's going to do all those things. Yeah. And then we have our review of Silver Nemesis. Mm-hmm. Indeedy. Yes. Before oh, that, though, good. my good friend, mm-hmm. to borrow something from another cop- uh, another podcast, my good friend and yours, <laughs> it's Mr. Adam Charlton. How are you, sir? <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> yeah, it's on a Star Wars podcast that I listen to. My, what is it? My it, good friend and yours. Yeah, the guy, um, anyone that listens to a lot of podcasts, specifically Star Wars ones, might have come across Rebel Force Radio. 
they used to be the Force cast. Uh, Jimmy Mack and Jason Swank, two really funny guys who do a Star Wars podcast. And <laughs> Jimmy always, uh, sorry, Jason's always doing the intro bit. And then he says, my good friend and yours, Mr. Jimmy. So, yeah, Mr. Well, Adam. If they're listening, they'll be like, listen to him nicking our, nicking our podcast lines. Anyway, I'm fine. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't been up to much. It's been a bit of a dry old week. Literally, just before we kicked off recording, um, Doctor Who magazine has flopped through the letterbox. Um, Crumpled and creased and ripped. Well, and... it's not too bad because oh, okay. it's in one of those funny old poly bags. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, considering it's in that, and normally it does get folded in half and you know, rammed through the letterbox a few times before being dropped. It's it's not too bad condition. <laughs> Mind you, that's not to say, because I haven't actually opened it yet, because it's literally just come. Um, but that's not to say when I open the poly bag, it isn't going to be creased and <laughs> completely and utterly screwed up. But um, but it looks okay from the outside. So, yeah. Uh, but it's all this... Um, sorry, new listeners. It? New listeners. Yeah. Um, there's an ongoing story that we have with, with Adam and the postman. Yeah. So Adam's postman is a bit of a... Um, He's a bit of a renegade, isn't he? He's a bit of a... Um... Well, there's one. Yeah, there's one renegade. There's a renegade fraction postman. Because one of them's <laughs> really good. And I must get that in because, it, you know, I'm sure he listens. Uh, but one of the postmen is brilliant. But there is a renegade one um, that does like <laughs> to fold all my magazines um, and throw boxes over the wall and that sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> the funniest one was when you found a Pop Funko nestled oh. into the bush at the bottom of your garden that had been soaked it, through and mangled it'd been and... out there all week getting absolutely drenched in the rain yeah that was great um but yeah this polybag mate have you seen the new issue of doctor Who magazine have you have. seen the cover yet yes because it, it's quite nice it's got all this time for heroes stuff mm-hmm. going on that seems to be associated with series 10 i'm still not sure what i make of that because to me it's a little bit cheesy i don't know about you time for heroes it's a bit marvel quite... isn't it a bit yeah yeah I don't know. I'll see what it, how it fits into the series, but I haven't quite got on board with that yet, if I'm honest. But yeah, Polly Bay looks good. It's got a cracking picture of Peter. It's got a cool picture of Bill. And then we've got Nardal. Now, I don't really have a, anything particularly against Nardal, like some people, but the picture on the cover is dreadful. He's basically just pulling <laughs> sort of this big gurning face. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, so yeah, so it's quite a nice cover, but I'm not sure about the Nardal picture. And it comes with, I'm trying to read it from here, massive poster free shouldn't that be massive free poster this yes it should be uh, yeah they've put massive poster free unless it's another word i can't see um so that looks good so yeah looking forward to reading that layer cool it doesn't say free inside no there is another word it says free inside yeah very nice and back on back on tv in great big letters it says as well so that's always good to see as if we didn't know. Things. Yeah. As yeah. if we were unaware we of the fact. Yeah. Actually, having said that, because um, I think I was moaning last week about the, I was saying, what's happened to the trailer? Because it was sort of shown. And then we had about two or three weeks where it just, there was nothing. Um, seems to have ramped up again this week. I thought we've, we've had quite a bit of publicity. We've got a sort of new trailer, which is similar to the last one, but with a few new clips and, bits and bobs and yeah we just seem to have had a bit more we've had some new promo images released which look very nice so it seems like the series 10 promotion wagon is well and truly on the road which is good that is good yeah 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 didn't you um, a few times didn't you mention something um uh, this was before we recorded just earlier on today about uh, a premiere that happened somewhere recently oh there was a 
I don't know because there was a yes, there was there was a press screening uh, last night, which we're recording on the Wednesday, so it would have been Tuesday night. Um, I don't know where it was. I'm assuming it was London, um, but Peter was there. Paul, <laughs> Peter and Paul, <laughs> Peter was there. Pearl was there. Um, Matt was there. The Moth was there. I think somebody else was there. There was a few of them, and they they premiered the first um, episode, the pilot for all the press. And uh, and then they had a bit of a discussion afterwards, and I saw lots of pictures floating about on uh, Twitter mm-hmm. uh, of people that were there. Um, yeah, it seems to have got a, a very good reaction. Um, seems like the press, are, uh, they're not saying too much. They've obviously been sworn to secrecy, but they said it's uh, very much feels like a fresh start. Um, they're saying it's not so much a reboot, but it'd be good if you haven't watched Doctor Who for a while or if you haven't you know, ever watched it, which, you know, this would be a good episode to tune in on. It's a bit of a fresh start apparently. Okay. So, but it's been all, yeah, the, the reviews I've seen, um, and which weren't that many, but I have seen a few have all been very positive towards the opening episode. Okay. Um, I have, I'm, I'm not going to say too much cause you know, some people don't like any spoilers at all, so I won't say too much, but there's been things that I've read in spoiler free reviews, which I've liked and a couple of things about it, which I thought, Oh, don't know about that but anyway it's generally seems like quite a positive review so far from the press so we haven't got long to find out what is it two weeks away it'll be a week away by the time the podcast goes out yeah it will be yeah so we've got one more yeah. we've got one more review to do yeah um which is um yeah the 11th doctor story next week and the week after that um yeah so it'll go out the weekend after next so our next review after that will be yeah the start of series 10. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait, actually. Exciting. I'm very, very excited. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. Um, so, yeah, fairly quiet weeks, I would say, for both of us. You haven't been up to much who-wise, have you? Not really, mate. No. I mean, I've got this, talking to premieres, I've got this thing on Saturday coming up, which is, again, we still don't really know what it is, but it's a, <laughs> a premiere of series 10 of sorts. I was really hoping it was going to be the, the episode itself, but... It just says panel discussion and exclusive preview clips. Um, so that's going to be at the IMAX on Saturday, and Peter and Pearl are going to be there. Um, so I'm quite looking forward to that. But, uh, yeah, apart from that, I haven't really been up to a lot, particularly. Yeah. No. no. What about you? Have you been up to much this week? I haven't, mate. No, I've had a real quiet one. Yeah, who-wise. Yeah. yeah. I've been busy with work. I've been busy... Um, with some bits, I, I did manage to watch a couple of things. Um, so after watching uh, Silver Nemesis, uh, just was in a bit of a, a McCoy uh, vibe, if you like. So um, yeah, just carried on that train. Got a bit of great show in the galaxy on the go. Oh yeah, good one. And then some Battlefield after that. So uh, yeah, had a bit of a McCoy um, watchathon, if you like, marathon. I was talking to, Binge. I think it was, I think it was Matt and Liv from the Who Addicts, Who Addicts Reviews. Um, about the fact that they're still not sure about McCoy. Mm. And I was saying to them that, um, you know, you went through the similar thing. It took you a while to get on board with with McCoy's doctor, and now you absolutely love him. Because um, they're still, I think they're still a bit like bit like you were when I jumped on the podcast. <laughs> they're a bit like, yeah, he's okay, but I'm not really my favourite. And I don't really, yeah, the stories, because they did a live watch-along of Survival last week. Oh, okay. It's the first time that Liv's watched it. Um, and I think it's that's one of those stories that I think, like a lot of things, you know, the budget shows a bit. So if you watch it for the first time, <laughs> you do kind of see a lot of faults in it. But then if you go back and watch it again, you think, well, actually, there's a good story there and all that. And I think a lot of McCoys are like that. 
you know, they, they, they're worth sort of reevaluating if you like, like greatest show I think is a, is a great story. I really like that one, mm, but I um, really don't good. remember being that impressed when it was on at the time, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah it's I better on a rewatch. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's interesting to see other people going through the same process. Oh, I, mean, I love it. They, yeah. they may not ever really warm to McCoy, you know, not everyone does, but mm. it's definitely, um, yeah. I remember when I first started watching classic who, um, moons ago and thinking, Oh, the Tom Baker stuff is fantastic. And I love Pertwee's era. And, you know, I love the TV movie and yeah, I really like Peter Davison as well. So I started really getting into each doctor and obviously Hartnell and all of them really. But I remember that McCoy was the toughest one for me to, mm. to get into for some reason. I, I remember actually really, really disliking <laughs> everything about the McCoy era when I first started yeah, watching the it. rolling R's, everything, didn't you? Literally yeah. the lot. I hated the theme tune. I thought, oh, oh my yeah. God, this is the worst <laughs> version of the theme tune ever. I hated um, the way that McCoy played the Doctor. I hated the, yeah, the rolling R's, the, um, the, 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 a lot of the stories, you know, how the Daleks were... were Wobbling sort of, along the streets. Exactly, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. I, you know, I couldn't yeah. stand it. I was like, crikey, this is... Yeah, I'm just not on board with this. But then mm. I think like with a lot of things, um, like sort of movies or TV, sometimes if you force yourself, if you just say to yourself, right, I'm going to put some time aside, because this is what I did. I put some time aside. I think it was like half a day or a day. And I thought, right, I'm going to watch at least like three McCoy stories today. And I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch them. I'm not just going to put one on and then watch the first episode, go off and then watch the others. Like a few days later, I'm going to, Commit to some McCoy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch a good bunch of it. And as you get, as you start watching them, you think, well, actually, I didn't, I didn't really think about this before. Yeah. So why is Ace like that? Mm. You know, and why, why is the Doctor like this? And oh, this is. Hold on a minute. The Doctor's a little bit dark here. Yeah. We haven't seen this in a while. Hold on a minute. So it gets your mind thinking, and then before you know it, that's it. You, McCoy's in. You know, he's just in there with all the other Doctors. So. It did take me a little while, but like you say, I absolutely love it now. I really like the McCoy era. Yeah, I do. I always think there's more of it as well. I always forget that he only had like four, is it four stories each series or something? Mm. Or maybe five. It's quite short. I always think we get more McCoy than we actually do. But I think also the relationship between McCoy and Ace is just so good. I think that also draws you in. The more you watch of McCoy, the you know, the more you get to see those two together, and they are great. Yeah. And I love it when people are watching something for the first time. Like that's why I've been really enjoying um, the the Who Addicts live streams because a lot of the time, Liv hasn't ever seen the episode. It's great to mm. see people's reaction to something they've never watched. <laughs> that you, especially if it's a story you love, like yeah. um, they did the Mind Robber the other week, which I really love. Pat Troughton, and I was so excited for Liv to watch it because she's a big Pat Troughton fan. And you know, I was like, oh well, I hope she's going to like it because I love it, <laughs> and she likes Pat Troughton so she should love it and she did I think or she really liked it I don't know if she loved it but um, but I love it when people watch something for the first time and I think funnily enough that's what um, drew me to your podcast when I, before I was before I muscled my way in as co-host when it was just you <laughs> that's what I loved because um, that's that was the main draw point for me because I was thinking oh this is this is interesting because there's loads of Doctor Who podcasts out there but a lot of them are people that know this show you know uh, like the back of the hand um, and here's a guy who's like found something and he's going back and he's watching things for the first time and I, th- I find that really interesting I think that's what made me sort of jump aboard really because it's just yeah you know if something's or you 
you know, if you love something, you're like, you always try and say to people, oh, you got to watch this. It's brilliant. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's that sort of thing. And it's awful when they turn around and say, no, actually, I didn't like that. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's fantastic. But, but you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? People's first reaction to, mm-hmm. to stuff. Um, yeah. No, Rija, it is good. Yeah. And that was one of the things that I, that's why I really wanted to interview. Um, oh, crikey. Way back. Episode two, I think. Oh, Neil Perryman. Neil, Neil Perryman, yeah. He um that was that was what drew me to him as well, because he mm. was going through exactly that process. Anyone that's read any of Neil's books, um, The Wife in Space. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, essentially it's just him sitting his wife down and watching classic Kiri from start to finish. And she'd never seen any of them before. <laughs> and he's he was obviously a huge and still is a huge Who fan, but his missus was just never bothered with it at all should take it or leave it and uh yeah so we sat her down he's like right we're gonna watch every episode from an unearthly child to the tv movie and we're gonna document as well so i'm gonna take notes and you know i'm gonna put it out there and he made a book of it and i think there's like three books in the series now yeah oh, they did, i think yeah they did if i remember rightly her name was sue sue his wife yep sue because she was quite a character as well wasn't she? she didn't mince her words which made it really funny reading um, she also did after they finished doing dot two, she did uh, the whole four series of Blake seven as well, which, as you can imagine, I absolutely love because she was. Um, yeah, she's very honest she in her is, opinion yeah. of it. And it was so funny to read it. She was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> but she also loved loved it as well. She like, hmm. you know, once she got into it, she loved the characters and was like, um, I don't know, she really started to see things in the show. And it was just made for fascinating reading, you know. Yeah, yeah, good book. Very, very good. My if, wife is very, yeah. yeah. If you've not, um, yeah, if you've not picked, if you've not heard of his book before, they've been out for a few years now. I think at least yeah. uh, three years, whatever. Uh, it's called Adventures with the Wife in Space. That's it. Uh, yeah. It's very good. And I think the other one was called, oh, I'm not sure, and uh, uh, the Wife and Blake or something like that. That's the oh something like that yeah. yeah yeah I can't remember now Blake oh what was it called it was, anyway it yeah. was very good yeah. yeah Adventures with the Wife and Blake yeah <laughs> it was the Blake Seven one but they're really really good because Sue she's got a bit of a potty mouth and yeah. she like you said she doesn't mince her words and she does give a very very honest review of mm. the Doctor and the episode so yeah if you haven't seen those books go and go and at least pick up the first one really good yeah yeah i'll go and have a look at his website i think a lot of the blake seven ones are on online you can read them they're so funny yeah. if you like blake seven yeah <laughs> they are very funny so i reckon we should land the tardis and do some well we've got one bit of news and then some merch So, we did have quite the video drop in the last couple of days. Yes. Um, conveniently, well, not saying conveniently, but as a as a cruel sense of irony, it dropped on April Fools. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't even you know I didn't even pick that up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in the run up to series ten, we've obviously had the teaser, we've had the trailer, we've had various promo pics and so on, but we also had this cool little video um, that was uh, Pearl Mackey. Uh, in the TARDIS, being interviewed, and she's introducing her character, Bill. 
Bill Potts and she's, you know, saying what type of person she is and what she's into and, you know, her potential relationship with the doctor and so on. It's just really interesting. It's just all good. Uh, but then she dropped a clanger, which sent the internet into a, uh, into a spiraling vortex of opinionated uh, faff, essentially. Uh, so if you haven't heard, you've, you've probably seen this because it was all, it was everywhere. Um, uh, Pearl Mac is basically revealed that her character is gay. So the character Bill is gay. And yeah, so I wouldn't say that it divided everybody, but it certainly did. It certainly did fire up everyone's opinion engine. Mm. And it was <laughs> nonstop for about 48 hours. Yes. Um, Was this actually on the BBC News though? Because I, I, I saw you know like the little isolated clip that they were sort of banding around on Twitter. But um, was it actually first of all sort of announced on the news or something? It was, yeah. Cause it, BBC yeah, because I yeah. must have. I mean, I missed all that. I just kind of like jumped onto Twitter and saw all this stuff kicking off and fans like <laughs> arguing over stuff. And I was like, what on earth's going on? But um, yeah, it seems to have been sort of made into quite a big announcement doesn't it that she's she sort of said oh yeah and bill's gay and then it's you know but they seem to sort of center on just that one bit of the interview from what i can tell anyway yes yeah, yeah. and it did ruffle a lot of feathers i mean i mm. i certainly tweet because the thing that got me about it was because i the let's see if i can find the, the tweet now that i that i put out but um my thoughts on it were uh where are we i said um so uh, I said, so the Doctor will be joined by uh, the show's first openly gay companion. I said, first, who gives a beep? And second, Jack Harkness was straight then. And that then just snowballed into a huge uh, a huge thing about, well, Jack Harkness wasn't gay. He was... What was it? Somebody said a word that I didn't even know what it meant. So yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. So he was a something. He basically, Jack likes everything. Yeah. So that, yeah. yeah. So you're not allowed to include him. No. So, so we can't include him. Um, <laughs> and then we had. So, so ba basically, people were, were nitpicking. People yeah. were nitpicking massively because my the point that I was trying to make, and this is, uh, this is also a good sort of opportunity for me to clarify as well, just in case, because I did have a, a Twitter conversation with a couple of our listeners. And followers, and it was getting a bit ropey. I thought, you know, I haven't meant any offence. I haven't meant anything, you know, bad. Um, so it's an opportunity to clarify as well. So the, my first point about who gives a beep was it shouldn't matter whether the character is gay or straight or bi or whatever, you know, whatever, you know, she's written to be. That shouldn't matter. You know, as, as a character in a TV programme, it's, it's irrelevant. You know, mm -hmm. if she's if if she's if her character's written that way, then that's fine. But the but the, the thing that got me about it was it just seemed too convenient to put that video out there in the run up to series ten. Yeah, you know that, that's what that's the thing that I that didn't annoy me, but I just thought, really, is you know, is it worth all this? We know that series ten's coming. We know it's out in a couple of weeks. You know. The, the the hype train is building up. I thought to myself, it's just too convenient to actually slot it in nicely as the hype train's building, you know, just to create a bit more buzz around the program. Because if you think about it, and I think we mentioned this, well, 
couple of months ago maybe or a few months ago we did mention that the ratings have taken a bit of a dive yeah over the years haven't we i think it was since 2012 13 something i I can't remember now but yeah they definitely they've had a slow decline haven't they definitely and they've declined you know as each series has come out yeah it's gone down and down Mm. and down so in on one hand i was thinking well this is you know they need everything they can get you know if it's going to get the word out there going to get people talking about it then you know that's that's one thing but i thought to use that as a device to get people talking was just a bit meh i don't know yeah well i mean that's the thing that's that's where the two divides um seem to be because you had a lot of people that were like really pleased that there's you know going to be a prominent gay character and like um you know they were promoting as the first openly gay companion to the doctor and stuff so there's you know there's one side of fan and they're very pleased and that's great because you've got somebody representing you know a gay person Mm -hmm. on on a primetime show and it's all good so that's and that's fine and i agree with that and then but the other side is you've got people who are saying but by making it a thing by sort of pointing it out and making it headline news you're almost taking a step back because you're saying it's a thing and it shouldn't be it should just be yeah you know if somebody's gay it shouldn't be made out to be a big thing it should just be normal and you're you're sort of saying it as if it's something special or different you know and and i think that's where the sort of big conflict on you know in in discussions came and i had a had a really good chat with my cousins about this at the weekend because i i knew where i stood on it and Mm. i was like you i was i was very much sort of like my reaction was that's fantastic because that's great i think it's brilliant that we're going to get you know an ambassador like that on the show for somebody who's gay and my other thought was but then yeah you don't need to make a thing of it why is it an announcement on the you know national news yeah so i was very much in the middle of the two um and i was speaking to my cousins about it and they you know just to make sure it wasn't just me or you know (laughs) or you and they they were sort of agreeing with me in a sense they just said yeah you know it's a great thing but why yeah why make a thing of it it just feels like a step back it's like saying you know absolutely yeah yeah it's it's a big deal and it shouldn't be a big deal it should just be normal i mean like and and I, i the more i think about it i just sort of think well you know when you when you added me as co-host on the podcast, you didn't announce, here's my new gay co-host, Adam Charlton. You just, I'm just your co-host. The gay bit is not my personality. It doesn't define me. So you didn't, you know, when I got a job in the pub, they didn't say, oh, we've got a gay bar- barman starting next week. They said, you know, we've got a new barman starting next week. So, it's, you, yeah. you know, so it's, I get it from both, you know, I can see it from both sides, but my thing is, and I think this is where I agree with you, is I, I just, see it as a little bit of a step back to make a thing of it when it should just be part of the character part of the story and you know and part of everyday life it shouldn't be a big deal so i I get where you're coming from and that's the thing whenever you post anything on twitter it's it can be read in a million different ways it's like anything isn't it an email a card you know anything that's written or or put out there can be taken a thousand different ways yeah you know unless you actually sort of clarify so yeah but i i knew i could see it from both sides i could see how it was all spiraling out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it just became such a big deal, didn't it? And it shouldn't have been, really. It shouldn't have been at all, no. And, yeah, you know, I had a, a couple of conversations online with people. And, um, you know, some people did point out some things to me. And it's not that I didn't consider them or didn't think mm. of them. I just didn't want to make a huge thing of it because the BBC had already made a huge thing of it. Yeah. Because if everybody's yeah. going to start making a big thing of it, then it doesn't become about Doctor Who anymore. It becomes about social you know uh sort of who, who's represented and who's not in terms of their sexuality and so on yeah and yeah. that's the thing you know there's representation is an important thing i get that 
you know, yeah, especially yeah. for young people who may be struggling with their sexuality or whatever, and they they can relate to somebody in a really popular show like this. Mm. I'm not underplaying the importance of that at all. And I completely agree with that. But like we're saying, it just I feel that it didn't need to be made this huge thing. It, it yeah. just didn't, you know, it was yeah. unnecessary. Um, because, and also somebody else um, reminded me about, like you said, about Vashtra and Jenny. They are two characters that are openly gay. And they are, you know, whether they're main companions of the Doctor, yes or no. But they have been companions of the Doctor. And we never had any of this when mm. those two came on the scene. Because, yeah. you know, they're, a, they're, a hap- they're an openly married gay couple. Yeah. And we never had any of this at all. None of this fanfare about, oh, you know, Doctor Who's got, you know, gay companions, lesbian companions, whatever you want to call it. Mm. It just, we didn't have any of it. So it, that's why I think it's just a bit too convenient to have this all blow up now, you know, literally a, a week and a half, two weeks before the new series starts. Yeah. You know? No, I, I get you. I get you. And I know I can see why people are pleased. I think it's great for sort of a younger audience that just feel, yeah. It is. You know, yeah. to, like yeah. you said about your, your son last week, the, you know, very accepting about, you know, all of this now. And it is becoming, you know, uh, not such a big deal and it shouldn't be. So um, one thing I will say was, though, um, that all that aside, um, I wasn't really surprised <laughs> because <laughs> I think as soon as she was announced with the name Bill, <laughs> I kind of thought, okay, where's the moth going with that then? Giving oh, her guys, right. that I, and right. and also just like I don't know, I just it, I just wasn't surprised. Let's put it that way. I wasn't, I didn't sort of go, "You're kidding me, she's gay, a gay guy." It didn't surprise me at all. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. So there was yeah. that as well. Yeah. But but no, I mean it's great for representation. It is good, but um, yeah, it's you know it's not a biggie. It's not a big. Deal. It really isn't. No. So um yeah, so there's a, an opportunity for me to say that I you know I. I meant no offence, you know, whatsoever by my my tweets or anything. Um, my comment about who gives a bleep <laughs> wasn't about, you know, the importance of of a gay character. It was more about, you know, why do we need all the fanfare yeah. and all that stuff. So, Where's the old rant jingle? I wanted to hear it. Where we haven't heard it for ages. Well, it's, yeah. I, I, well, do you know what, mate? When I said to you the other day, <laughs> I, I, I tweeted Adam and said, can of worms royally open <laughs> and uh, so i thought to myself well, you know this is going to re- require the rant jingle but you know the more i think about it you know we shouldn't be making a thing of it either really i know that's true i just wanted yeah. to hear it i love the rant jingle we haven't played it for ages maybe our new listeners haven't heard it yet so they're no, in no. for a treat when it finally comes <laughs> well maybe if if by next week all my because before we started recording i was talking about a load of deliveries that haven't turned up and gone wrong maybe if they haven't turned up by next week have it primed ready and i can have a good old rant we're gonna have to yeah maybe we're <laughs> gonna have to take a trip to forbidden planet oh that always gets the rant juices yeah. going. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> uh, forbidden planet um not international, the other ones with the oh, rocket God, it's logo. So confusing having yeah. two. Yeah, those yeah. guys. Not the international ones. They're quite chilled and, and cool. But yeah. yeah. So that's the news. It's a bit of a controversial one, bit of a yeah. So hopefully it will just be lost in the wind and will be, you know, settled soon and we can get on with series ten. But there we go. Uh we have got some cool merch to go through though. Yeah, darling, it's got a whole load of merch. Get him in. I'm gonna get him in. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very 
pretty. Thank you. Thank you. I don't care that you're hungry. <sighs> Stupid. What do Daleks eat? I don't even want to tell you. Oh, okay. I've got to eat dinner soon. <laughs> First up, you know we like a good book. Oh, we love our books. We love a good book to sling on the shelf. <laughs> and another new one will be with us soon. Well, God, in June. They keep coming, yeah. They keep coming, don't they? <laughs> uh, this one is called Myths and Legends oh. uh, by Richard Dinnick, and it is out on the 29th of June. And the synopsis is thus. Uh, the very first book of illustrated Time Lord mythology. Epic tales from the Hooniverse. There we go. Yeah, for wow. thousands of years, epic stories have been passed down from Time Lord to student, generation to generation. The truth of these tales was lost millennia ago, but the myths and legends themselves are timeless. A collection of epic adventures from the Time Lord's mist-covered past. Myths and Legends is an unforgettable gallery of heroes and villains, gods and monsters. Ooh. What do you reckon okay. to this one? Um... Yeah, I mean the cover's okay. <laughs> That's a no. <laughs> I, it just, it's just not grabbing me. <laughs> I, I am trying not to buy any more books. I've got so many lined up to read. I do. The cover's quite simple. I don't know what it is. It almost looks like a sundial with a load of. Looks a little bit like the confession dial in a sense, but with um, a big face in the middle. Um, so I quite like the cover, but I'm just not very intrigued by it. Um, I'm afraid myself. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It must be really difficult to keep coming up with ideas um, for books. To be fair, but um, I don't know. Myths and legends. What What do you reckon is going to be in there? Um, well, I, I mean, I can, the devil from. <laughs> I'm really not sure, mate. I'm, Satan pit, or I don't know. Do you know what? I'm really divided on this one because it could be very good. I mean, it sounds to me like yeah. it's uh, it's just. Uh, I think they've sort of dipped into sort of Gallifreyan canon and lore a little bit and pulled out some bits. But I think the majority of it is just going to be, you know, some uh, some made up stories for the book. You know, in reference to the Time Lords and maybe their history and so on. I'm not sure, but. Yeah, I'm. Didn't we ha didn't we have a book recently that was going to do this? Well, yeah, because I must admit when I saw it was on the list, and I thought, well, hang on, haven't we already done this? But I think we did have something similar to it quite recently. Well, uh, yeah, I'm sure we did. I'm sure we had yeah. a book that was out that we spoke about in the last few weeks that was something to do about something to do with the Time Lords. Yeah, because that's, yeah. that's what I kept thinking when you're reading yeah. the synopsis there. I was just thinking, I, I'm not sort of being too down on it. It's just there's nothing new in there. There's nothing that I haven't heard a million times before. I think that's mm. why I'm just not that excited by it. But like you said, it's difficult to say. Sometimes when these things come out, they're actually really good. So um, it, when does it come out? Uh, 29th of June. 29th of June, and it's £9. Oh, okay. Well, that's it's not a bad price. So, yeah. yeah, that's pre-order okay. anyway. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, I'll have a flick through it in my local bookshop yeah. see yeah. if it's any good see if it's worthy <laughs> see if it's worth yeah. yeah price isn't bad though that's that's slightly won me over yeah. um tell you what though i might just save my money for the next item uh, that's coming out because <laughs> <laughs> now this this is a thing of beauty um and we were talking about it in the intro saying it'll break wallets and break hearts for those that can't afford it because <laughs> it is a bit pricey and i am talking about a, rubber toe <laughs> a little bit <laughs> yeah you'll be saving your pennies for this Roberto replicas are doing a basically 1.1 scale so you know full size 
replica of the moment cube as seen in the uh, day of the doctor um and uh, it is ju- i mean the promo pictures they've got of it oh, it's just beautiful it really is one it of the is... nicest things oh. uh, in terms of replicas or collectibles whatever you want to call them mm. this is probably one of the nicest things that you'll be able to bag Short of, short of bagging yourself a full-size Dalek or something like that, this is mm. this is up there. Well, actually, you know, I was looking at the price, um, which I'll get to in just a second. I was thinking, you know, you can buy full-size replica Daleks, um, mm. and I think they are. Actually, I don't know. I haven't looked for a while, but they weren't <laughs> they weren't that much cheaper than this. So, mm. um, so the price the price is one thousand four hundred ninety-five pounds plus. Uh-huh. VAT and postage. <laughs> um, oh, well, I think it's before VAT. Let me just check. Please note, post package is not included. I'm sure when you get to the checkout on Roberto, there, there's VAT added on as well, they normally say. So, yeah, you're looking at quite a hefty sum for this. Um, but if you've got the money, and I think they're only making 20 of them, is that right? 20 of these replicas? Yeah, it will be personally made by mm-hmm. Alan Hardy, um, who actually made the original prop uh, for the TV program. So it's made by the the man as well so if you can afford one of these 20 replicas man it looks amazing <laughs> i'll tell you what yeah just the and i i think if i remember correctly when i was looking at the rubber toe website i think they're based on the original molds that they used for the screen used um prop yeah i, I would think so yeah so i think you're you're getting literally you know what you saw on screen you would get one that's, I would say, 99.99 whatever percent accurate. Because don't the rubber toe guys make a lot of the screen, the, the actual props for the show anyway? They do it all originally. Yeah, so yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I got in trouble for this on one of my videos. Someone was like, oh, well, they don't make the props. It's one person who works there that makes the props. And he doesn't, and I don't know. So I'm not quite sure. But they're definitely very heavily involved in the props that end up on the actual show. Let's put it that way. They are, definitely. Because yeah. I, I follow them on Instagram. And quite yeah. frequently they'll show like um, 12 Doctor Sonic, for Sonic example, they did, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, the Sonic and, and some other bits and pieces like River Song's uh, gun and um, the, the, you know, the black cubes from three and. Yeah, oh, that's right. That yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. So they do a lot of the actual props for the show. And oh man, this just looks so nice. You were joking yeah. earlier there about. Um, because it, it could be mistaken by somebody who doesn't watch Doctor Who as a coffee table. And you just say, imagine how gutted you'd be if you come back and you have a half's got her friends around and, you know, having their tea and biscuits off of it. You'd yeah. go mad, wouldn't you? Yeah. What are you doing? With crumbs all over it. They've opened oh. Pringles and they're all scattered oh. around. And yeah, that's grounds for divorce right there. That would be the end. Yeah. That would be the end. But if I tell you, if I had the money, if I was to win the lottery tomorrow, I'd, I'd be nabbing one of these. I'd love it. The disappointing yeah. thing with rubber toe, actually, it's not disappointing, <laughs> but the thing with it is, is that they don't offer any kind of sort of payment plan. Oh, well, no, that's a good point. They don't, do they? Because yeah. Big Chief do, don't they? Big Chief do, yeah. So I think if yeah. rubber toe did like, if you could pay for it like over six months or something, then I might be tempted, you know. I yeah, might be do you tempted. know what? I just thought of that. Yeah. Um, but because you have to drop, you know, 1,500 quid in one go, that's... Uh, yeah, it's a bit hefty. It is a bit hefty. And can I just be very nitpicky as well? This is because it does look stunning and it looks beautiful, but you can click on all the different sides. They've got loads of pictures on the website. You can see every single yeah. angle of the prop. 
if I'm being just slightly picky, this side that's got like a blank white circle, oh, I yeah. mean, it probably yeah. it might look better on the actual prop. That compared to the rest, which are all so detailed and like fiddly and that almost looks like they'd sort of given up by the time they got to that side. Maybe that's the bit you put on the floor. Do you see the one I mean? It's got like a white mm-hmm. panel. <laughs> it yeah. just compared to the rest, it doesn't look as good. <laughs> the others are all so amazingly detailed. And then there's just this one panel where they've kind of, I don't know, it's just like a, a white board with a, with a bit of Gallifrey and <laughs> symbol in front. Maybe they just got to the end of the thing. What can we do for this last panel? <laughs> oh, well, shove that bit of um, plasterboard in. That'll do. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, just because it's the most least, um, it's got the least amount of detail compared to the other sides. Yeah. Yeah. But that yeah. is me being very nitpicky because it is stunning. It is absolutely stunning. So if you've got 1500 quid lying around, <laughs> under the floorboards under the floor yeah be down the back of the sofa yeah and uh rubber toe that are people to see at the moment um and it's available to order right now so you've just head mm-hmm. over to rubber rubber toe replicas.com um forward slash moment um you'll see it in all its glory the pictures look really good um yeah there is an email address for inquiries so you might email them and say oi where's the uh Where's the PayPal credit option? Mm. Imagine my postman throwing that over the wall. <laughs> oh, God. He'd <laughs> oh, be, <no>. be dead. <laughs> you, pick the box up, you pick the box up and it's just, you shake it and it's just <laughs> rattling. everything rattling all the, around. All the little clock pieces and all the brass bits. All, oh, I can't imagine. That's I'd a good point. Mad. Yeah, because if you look at some of the, um, there's at least one side where it's got loads of little, loads of, of bits. yeah, Gallifrey yeah. little cogs and, and all sorts. So, yeah, yeah. that's going to be a good one. Uh, next up, Robert Harrop. Oh, Robert Harrop. Oh. Talking of More money. More temptations, yeah. Talking of money. <laughs> what they got then? Let's have a look. So, Robert Harrop have now released, up until the 21st of April, um, you can buy um, Doctor Who uh, packs. So, you oh. can buy like two or three figures together for a slightly reduced price um, okay. for Easter. This is a, they're called their Easter egg packs. And for example, um, if you were to buy the third Doctor and a Centauran figure on their own, um, I don't know how much they would be on their own, but if you buy them together, um, it would cost you 80 quid. And I think separately they're, what, 50, 60 quid each? Oh, just, yeah, I think yeah. they're about 50, 60 each, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Um, so they've got about half a dozen packs and some of them, there's one of them that I'm really tempted to get. Oh, hang on. Let me see if I can guess. You'll, let me have a look. You'll guess it immediately. It won't be. Mm, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it the? Is it a three pack? It by is. Any chance? It is. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say it won't be any of the ones with the Doctor in because as much as we love Robert Harrop, they haven't quite got the Doctor figures mm. down to a T, but the rest are brilliant. But yeah, there's. I know which one it is then. So there's one with a Zygon, uh, Sutek and Scaroff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yes. £143 for yeah. those three. Which is actually pretty good because I think mm-hmm. I think the Zygon and Sutek individually are 60 quid. Yeah. And then you've got Scarath in there as well. So, um, But yeah, so they've got uh, the Third Doctor and a Silurian. These are all classic, by the way. Uh, they've got a Third Doctor and a Centauran. They've got the Fourth Doctor and Sutek. Might not be good. That might be a good one, actually. Uh, they've mm. got the Fourth Doctor and Scaroth, the Fourth Doctor and the Zygon. They've got the Tenth Doctor, Mr. Tennant, with a Weeping Angel. Um, they've got the Silurian and the Centauran together. They've got the three-pack that Adam just mentioned. And then you've got the Third Doctor and the TARDIS, and the Fourth Doctor and the TARDIS as well. 
Mm. So potentially, yeah. They are good savings. I was going to say, I know I know it still sounds like quite a lot, but actually to get them separately, yeah, it does work out. You know, it's quite mm. a good reduction they've got on the, on the match, actually. And mm. I would say that if you've been umming and ahhing over these for a little while and you think, oh, I might pick up Sutek and I might pick up, you know, the TARDIS or whatever, it's worth getting it now. Um, and we don't get paid by Robert Harriper or anything like that, mm. but um, this is genuine. You might want to get them now because otherwise you'll be in Adam's situation where he ummed and ahed over the sea devil. Oh, no. well, yes, the sea devil and the malice. And the oh. malice, yeah. And then when he's ready to order it, they're gone. Gone, yeah. And, and they go for blimmin' silly money on eBay, let me tell you. I check nearly every day for those two things. Yes, and Robert Harrop, they're not... They're, they're a little bit sort of cutthroat with the stock as well. You will not get an email or a tweet or anything to say something like, We've only got three left of whatever. Mm. You know, once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. And you wouldn't even know it. You'll go onto the website and you think, oh, yeah, I'll just order that. I saw that last week. Oh, what? It's gone. Yeah, unavailable. And unavailable. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, these packs look really good. If you've been thinking about the Robert Harrop stuff um, and you're thinking of getting at least two, and, you know, ideally, if they fall into one of these packs, then it's definitely worth getting these ones because the savings are really good. Yeah. And I agree with you. That's if I was going to get one of them, it'd be the pack of those three. Yeah. Because um, they do look fantastic. Um, but I'm going to save my money for the ones that they've got coming out because they've got some really good ones coming out as well. So, mm -hmm. but very tempting. Right. Lastly, in the merch news, it's another book. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get enough books. But this one does slightly interest me more, um, mm. despite the fact that the cover is, quite frankly, unacceptable in this day and age. It's atrocious, but uh, <laughs> no, but I'm not impressed by the cover, but I like the sound of it. It's called Doctor Who Memorabilia. <laughs> An unofficial guide to Doctor Who collectibles. Uh, and apparently, this is going to be like listing a thousands of products that have been produced since 1963. Um, all the collectibles that they've managed to sort of cram into this book. Um, I'm hoping it's going to have some pictures in there. Because, <laughs> uh, as I say, the cover is very basic on it. Um, it has got a few toys on the front. Um, but presumably, this is going to be... Yeah, going to have a few pictures of all the merch we've had over the years. So that does appeal to me. I'm always interested to see what, you know, what's come out over the years. There's been some great Doctor Who merch mm. over the years. There's been some not not some great Doctor Who merch over the years as well. But um, yeah, so interesting. I'm looking forward to getting to have a look inside this book just to see what's actually in there. But it sounds pretty decent. It's uh, by Paul Berry. Don't know him. Mm. But um, yes, um, it does sound pretty good. Um mm. One of the uh, sections out of the synopsis is uh, whether you're looking for a full-size Cyberman or a pair of Dalek slippers, Yay. A, a Tom Baker scarf or a Doctor Hall, Doctor Hall, a Doctor <laughs> Who pinball machine. Doctor Who has Ooh. produced something for every type of collector. Uh, so this is out next month, actually. It's uh, 15th of May. Yeah, 14.99. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. 15 quid. Back, so. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, what do you reckon, mate? I might get, might get this actually because uh, yeah. I, I just love um, perusing eBay from time to time for Doctor Who stuff. And it's really, you know, what's really dangerous is um, when when your better half is watching something on TV and you've got your laptop or your iPad, and you think, oh, hold on, let me just have a wee mm -hmm. a wee look on eBay, and then you set it to ending soon. So oh, you yeah. see all the stuff that's going to end in the next few seconds and you think, 
oh, maybe, maybe not. And before you know it, that's like 50 quid gone. And you bought some, <laughs> you know, a, a tenth doctor's, you know, leg from a figure that was out like <laughs> five years ago. You've bought canine's ear. Yeah. You know, you've bought a stamp that's been ripped in half that was worth, you know, some money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I might pick this one up because I like this stuff. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean about that eBay. It's it's deadly, isn't it? Don't don't go on there. But yeah, we'll have a look at that. But when it comes out, that's going to do for merch. We had some cool bits there, mm. and I think now it might be time for our review. Yes, we haven't got any characters in this one that I can do silly voices for. It's, no, we haven't. Yeah. No, not really. Yes, but anyway, Adam, my good friend, what are we doing this week? Oh, I'm trying to find the quote. Hang on, what does she? I was trying to find something to say. What does she say about the rats? This this is us prepared. I had it underlined. Oh, something about, <laughs> are you rats? Anyway, yeah, this week, um, <laughs> it's the seventh Doctor story, uh, which was apparently went out on the 25th anniversary. Can you believe it? Yeah. So it must be Silver Nemesis. It's all aboard the TARDIS for more thrills and perhaps the occasional spill with Sylvester McCoy as Doctor Who. Nemesis. Was that a bomb? No. That was the return to Earth of a comet called Nemesis that has been in orbit for exactly 350 years. You're amazing, Professor. Being able to tell all that just from the noise. It wasn't difficult, really. It was me who launched it into space in the first place. This may qualify as the worst miscalculation since life crawled out of the seas on this sad planet. Well, nobody's perfect. Hey, is this the bow? It might be. Mm. Could be the bow. That glowing bow. The glowing bow and the glowing arrow. Yeah. And all that Lots stuff. of arrows flying about in this one, aren't there? There is. Flying left, right and centre. Indeedy. So, Silver Nemesis, you are correct. Mm the 25th anniversary mm. of who so it was it uh, was first released back in um november of 1988 wow um and finished in december it was uh written by kevin clark and directed by chris clough mm. overseen by um andrew cartmel ah oh, the cartmel the cartmel <laughs> the master cartmel plan yes which we see a little inkling of we this, do, don't we? The end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, Silver Nemesis. Um, the story is um, frankly quite difficult to get your head around because it doesn't make much sense. No. But I'll give it a go. So <laughs> there's this um, there's this woman called Lady. Is it Penfort? Pinefort? Painfort? Penfort. Yep. So Lady Penfort and her uh, esteemed um, gentleman colleague. Mm-hmm. Richard, that's all. He, that's all we know him as. Richard um, uh, use magic quite annoyingly uh, to go into the future, so that they can um, uh, they can hunt down this statue called Nemesis, uh, which will apparently give uh, the person who controls Nemesis uh, great power and so on. Uh, however, um, there is another person who is also after the statue, who is some kind of neo-Nazi leader, German guy called something 
<laughs> it's um the flaws in it the flaws the flaws yeah, oh yeah and differing yeah. yeah um yeah the flaws uh he's after the statue as well um, i want the statue i want it now i want that give me that bow schnell <laughs> and uh yes and also the cybermen turn up just to throw another few uh few things onto the fire uh, yes um but seemingly the doctor's caused it all again um, again yeah so uh fortunately he set an alarm <laughs> to remind himself that this is all going to happen and uh yeah him and ace end up killing lots of people with jazz with jazz and <laughs> with uh... <laughs> yes um it's a bit scrappy this one in terms of storyline it's a little bit mm. in and out all over the place but what do you reckon mate silver nemo yeah. silver nemo so yeah um it's I couldn't help but notice a lot of similarities in the story to uh, Remembrance. <laughs> I kept thinking, you know, this whole thing's once again been set up by the Doctor. He's sent some, he's come back for something that he left ages ago. I don't know. There's a, there's a few similarities there. I thought, um, and obviously, clearly, Remembrance is is the better mm-hmm. story. Um, but I have to say, um, I actually really quite enjoyed watching this the other night. It's far from perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's got a, it's got some nice stuff, some nice moments. I, I just found it quite an enjoyable watch, but it is silly. Um, and I obviously haven't really paid much attention to it before because I've never really understood what was going on. Um, and I always do, <laughs> I swear, I honestly do pay more attention when I'm doing a review. So I do try and get my head around the story perhaps more than I would normally. So I did sort of watch it a bit more properly this time right. um which may have been why i enjoyed it more because i kind of got the story but it is a bit silly um but i but i yeah there were bits of it i liked i thought episode one was reasonably decent actually it just sort of seems to slowly get progressively worse after that if you know what i mean i thought episode one was quite good um with all the you know the, the sort of again i think it's the relationship between the doctor and ace i just love it you know like when they're just chilling out watching the jazz and he's got his cool little pocket watch with a digital bit inside and she's got a wicked mm-hmm. um tape deck and i was just thinking oh actually this is i quite like what's going on here um and then yeah like the nazi guys come into it and then all of a sudden everyone's just shouting and i don't know it just it just lost its way and i, I just thought well okay it's not great but I still enjoyed it. I got to the end of it. I loved actually, I did love the bit at the end with Ace on the, the, um, you know, whatever that's it, the gantry and oh, yeah. all that. I thought, actually, this is, this is good. It's got good again when she's running around. So yeah, it's very 50, 50 for me. I'm just a bit undecided on it. I kind of enjoyed watching it, but I wouldn't say it's a great story. Let's put it that way. Hmm. What do you it. think? What do you think? What do I think? Um, it's Okay. It's it's um it's it's weird because it has these little pockets throughout of the so it uh, yeah I must mention this is a three parter yeah yeah which is quite cool it's quite a good runtime actually for for classic who it, it would have definitely suffered if it was four yes. I mean three yeah. was just enough yeah yeah um so it has little pockets of of, of greatness in each of yeah, the three episodes so. um some really great interactions between as always between this Doctor and Ace. Um, and it also has some really cool um, little things going on. So we find out that the statue is actually was created by Rassilon. 
Yeah. Now um, I must have missed that because um, right. I didn't realise until I just read it. I always read the wiki just to get you know finalise what the, what was going on. Um, I didn't didn't hear that in the story, but apparently, yeah. Yeah, the doctor does mention it very quickly as he's talking through what the okay. statue's about with Ace, and he does say that it was it was created by Rassilon and it's this living metal thing. Forgotten the name mm. of it, but um, so that was quite cool. We get a bit of, sort of Time Lord um, lore going on there. And then we yes. have the, obviously, a very well-known uh, monster in the Cybermen. Um, they turned out to be extremely disappointing, but, you know, it is nice to have them in, you know, a story from time to time. And then we have the very, very cool bit at the end where um, Lady Lady Penfort, you know, threatens to, to reveal the Doctor's secrets at the end. And yes. that's that little dark moment I was talking about where... We, you know, she's she she mentioned something like, you know, I know what happened during the the old times, during the chaos, and all that stuff. And you think, wow, what what's all this about? You know, what's going on here? And that was the little plan that John Nathan Turner and Andrew Cartmill had to sort of take this doctor off into a darker sort of um, direction and reveal some darker stuff about you know, before the time war potentially and all that stuff. So um, that was really good. And then we had some other nice moments, but then it just gets let down a lot by the the, the Cybermen being completely useless. Oh, they are useless. From yeah. start to finish. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the magic element as well. That's something that I'm, it's kind of a contradiction really, because earlier on in the show, we said about how, you know, much we loved the McCoy era and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But the one thing that, that, that I'm not fond of. And it happens again, I think it's in Battlefield. Is it Battlefield? Um, where we have this magic element. Yeah, the sort of sorcery fantasy yeah. type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just the one thing that just, uh, you know, so in this story, we have Lady Penfort and Richard. They're sort of, they they create this, po- they, you know, they're putting this potion together and they've got this old scholar who's writing out the future and he's got all these calculations mm. and, <laughs> you know, they, do something and then they start this chant and screaming and you know there's this like little sort of little hurricane thing that they get you know swirling around them and then before you know it you know they're no longer in whatever it was 1638 they're now in 1988 in a cafe yeah you know but actually i quite like that bit because it's supposed to be her house but obviously all these years later because i thought oh, that's quite a nice idea so what once was her old you know, house is, you know, many years later becomes a cafe. Yeah. But, uh, I quite like that, that we got to see the two yeah, differences. That's cool. But but I, I get what you're saying about the magic, because I was thinking that, I was thinking, wow, time travel's become very easy, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, can I just mention, because I'm bound to forget this later, you know the scholar, um, is it a scholar? The guy who's working out, the mathematician mathematician guy. Yes. The guy yeah. who's working out all the sums and that, the little bold-headed chap looks a bit like um, William Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, Nice little thing they mentioned in the making of, which I never knew, was that he was in the running to be the Doctor. Um, oh yes, but William yeah. Hartnell got the part, mm. so he was uh, he auditioned and apparently came quite close to becoming the first Doctor. Yes, um, yeah. and they said, you know, they they can't say for sure, but they they think that's pretty much why he got cast as a nice little sort of in reference um, to because it was the anniversary story. So I thought that was quite nice mm. just to, just to see what our first Doctor 
may have been like, have been uh, like. had he got yeah. the part yeah well yeah. probably not because he's playing it different but you know what i mean we got to see the actor so that was quite good and i actually quite like him um it's, you know because he gets bumped off doesn't he yeah they need uh, human blood to complete the yeah whatever it is they're concocting but yeah oh, richard's not yeah richard's not happy is he she's like drink it <laughs> he's like, oh my lady he's yeah. a little wimp isn't he throughout he's such a wimp yeah. yeah um but uh yeah i did feel sorry when he got bumped off but i love the fact that the doctor um uh covers him up to protect ace you know I, again i just this is what i love about the seventh doctor and ace is that he's so he's like this sort of um a bit like Pert, Pert we was with Joe Grant. He, he does look out for her all the time and he does want to protect her from all these horrible things. And although he's, you know, he seems to forget that when she's getting shot at by about 20 sidemen at the end. But, you know, I just thought it was a nice scene the way he's like, oh, just just wait there a second. I just got to cover this body up because, you know, you don't want to see this. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was quite a nice little scene. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that is one of the cool things about the, many of the um, McCoy era stories. Even when the writing or the script is fairly weak, um, it's normally the the core cool performances from Sylve and Sophie that mm. sort of carry it through because they are really good together. Oh, they're, they're great. They are good in this, actually, I think, together. Yeah. I think they're a great pairing in this story because she seems really, really scared at episode three. Um, and she's like, I'm really scared. And he's like, well, why don't you just, look, just go back to the TARDIS You'll be safe there and I'll deal with it. Yeah. Which very much reminded me of the Ninth Doctor and Rose, actually, where he's like, you know, trying to look out for her and says, you know, go back to TARDIS and, you know, yeah, true. get yourself yeah. out of harm's way. So I thought that was quite nice, actually. Mm. Quite, you know, again, they're just such a great pair. They are. Yeah. Very good. Great uh, team. Right, story stuff. Mm. So I found this a little bit... Mm, yeah. I don't know why. I mean, it, there were just some confusing moments in it. Like, the thing that I don't get, is at the beginning, you know, they're at the sort of stately home and there's a little jazz festival going on and they're mm-hmm. chilled out. And then his alarm goes off and he forgets why he set the alarm and blah, blah, blah. They're heading back to the TARDIS. They get, somebody shoots them, tries to shoot them. Oh, the guys in the cool headphones. Yeah. You know, the... Um, <laughs> we look like them now. <laughs> we do, yeah. They're just not bright silver. But um, So they get, you know, attacked and shot at and end up, you know, diving into the river and they, all that stuff. There's no rhyme or reason at that point in the story why they would be attacked in any way because the um, the alarm hasn't gone off. Um, sorry, the, the, the meteorite hasn't struck yet or anything. So nobody's aware that the, that the, um, the nemesis statue is on Earth at this point. So there's no, and the doctor hasn't initiated anything between the Cybermen or anything yet. So there's no rhyme or reason as to why just the doctor and Ace were attacked then at that point. No, that's true. There's a, there's a few little bits that don't quite make sense. I don't know if it's because it was, it was, it overran quite a lot. I think they didn't have enough for four stories, but they sort of had too much for three or something. Um, I really wish, because when this was released on VHS, it was released as an extended edition of all the deleted scenes put in, including and the bit I can never believe they cut out is the bit where Ace sees a portrait of herself in the castle. Because like they went to all the effort to get this amazing portrait done of, of Sophie Aldrin and never even used it. Oh, but, right. but but on the VHS, yeah, it was like, um, but because it was for copyright reasons, I think because it was a US 
funded release or I don't know, something like that. They they didn't do it when they released it on DVD. So we only get the TV version. We don't get the extended one, although we get some deleted scenes. But I have a feeling, I don't know, I think certain things made slightly more sense when those scenes that were cut were put in. I don't know if that's one of them, but there are other bits that certainly sort of make more sense when you see what should have been there before or after, if that makes sense. Right. Um, right. There was quite a bit cut from it. Um, from what I remember, um, I didn't get time to watch the deleted scenes, unfortunately. But uh, but I do remember from that extended edition, it actually didn't make the story any better, but it did make things sort of flow a little better, if that makes sense. Yeah, I read you. Yeah. yeah. So it does. Um, there are a couple of bits in it that are. You just think to yourself, well, that doesn't make much sense to do that. Yeah. You know, so there's like the bit where. Lady Penfort is, um, you know, fires an arrow at the German soldiers, mm. the Nazi soldiers, whatever. And um, they're allowed to just stroll off down the path. So even though um, De Flores is like, you know, it, it happens again in the castle where, you know, the, the soldier that's with him um, waits a full, like, you know, 20 seconds for them to be out the door and then fires his gun at an empty doorway oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're allowed to just, you know, stroll off out the castle. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and the, you know, there's other bits as well where the doctor and Ace land, you know, about 50 miles away from the castle Yeah. and they just get out and walk. It's like, surely it'd make more sense to land the TARDIS, you know, within a few feet of the castle. Or even inside it and just do what you need to do. There were quite a few elements like that throughout the story. And I thought, this makes no sense. You know, why, why would, why is this happening? Why, you know, why has it been, I'm not sure if it was written that way because don't get me wrong. That scene I'm talking about is a lovely scene where like you see the castle like up on the hill and there's a bit of forest and it's lovely, but you just think to yourself, why would the doctor and Ace park the TARDIS there and get out and walk? Because it is a long way off. It's miles in the distance. it's miles away, yeah. Um, And there's no reason for that. Because at that point in the story, um, they're they're not being followed by anybody. And nobody knows that they're heading to the castle at that point. So they're not going to run into anybody. So there's no reason why they have to park the TARDIS a million miles away and walk it. They could have just parked the TARDIS in there or next to it. I I forget now, though, because there is a bit bit where they materialise in the... that's Castle, earlier. That's it? late. Oh, that's l- earlier was, on when they're looking for the. Yeah. Oh, and this is after. This is when they because it's got the arrow in the door when they land, doesn't it? Yeah. Or not? I, I I forget now. Yeah. So but yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I know what you mean though. Yeah. So earlier on in the story, they materialise looking for the bow. That's right. And that's when they see the queen, isn't it? Which that's is right. Yeah. All very comedic <laughs> and a bit silly. <laughs> yeah. It's Being a, silly now. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the other bit is when. So Lady Penfort's aide, Richard, fires the arrow at the TARDIS. Yeah. And then when they land, he, you know, they're a thousand miles away from the castle and decide to walk. That's it. So there are bits like that in the story that I thought, you know, why? I'm not sure if it was written that way or if um, uh, Chris Clough just thought it would be good to do these things or I don't know. But it's always... It did make me think. Oh, this is it's, 
silly. It, it, it's things that stick out. I mean, that we, especially the Doctor Who is a, a, an example more than most other programs where sometimes you have to go with it. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes yeah. when you're watching it, you think this is ridiculous, but we're going to go with it for the sake of the story. But these things in this story just stuck out like big throbbing sore thumbs to me. That's, mm. you know, anyway. I get you. I, I mean, one of the things I don't get in the story is the Nazi element. Like, I I just don't get where they're, what, like, when did they find out about the statue and what are they doing there? They they seem to be thrown in just to add another element in, but they don't, to me, they don't make any sense in the story. I'd have preferred if it was just old Lady Painfort or whatever her name is. Point, yeah. <laughs> you know, because uh, I have to say, I thought she was quite, I quite liked it because she just was just so um, full of herself. Mm. And, you know, she didn't really care about, you know, killing people and stuff. So I thought she made for quite a good villain all in herself. I, don't, I didn't think it needed the whole Nazi bit as well, to be honest. Although it's quite good when we get the shootout, to be fair. Quite like the shootout on the, in Greenwich by that building when the Cybermen do arrive. Oh, oh yeah. This is quite good. Classic yeah. 80s shootout. Yeah, quite like that. But, yeah, I didn't get them. I don't know what they're playing at. And they yeah. seem to yeah. diminish very quickly. We get a whole load of them in episode one, and then there's just two of them sat in a van by episode two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I think it was just another element to play, so the Doctor can play them off of each other. So, yeah, you, you, actually, yeah, because you get the whole chess pawn thing. So, yeah, actually, from that sense, it's not bad, I suppose. Yeah, they're there just to sort of advance the the finale a little bit, I guess. Because yeah. you have, um, I found it really funny. But we first see that um, De Flores guy. Um, it is his mansion out in wherever it is, and he's he's looking at a parrot, isn't he? And he's thinking, Oh, that's a lovely looking parrot. And then he just reaches down and gets his massive bow out, and he's yeah. about to take the, the the parrot out, but he's not even drawing the bow back. He's just here, he's like, That's not going to go anywhere, mate. You've got to try and put an arrow through a bird. You want to get a bit more pullback, but so I found that hilarious. You know, just not trying. Just no, not trying. No. So you know, it's one of those unintentional funny bits that I end yeah. up falling about laughing. That was that was me. Like two minutes in, and I'm laughing so hard I had to pause it. Were you laughing at the Queen bit, or were you grimacing, thinking, "Oh, this is awful"? That's grimacing, buddy. Yeah. yeah, I think I did when it first went out. I remember thinking, "Oh no, a bit silly." Yeah, I very I, much doubt that the Queen walks the corgis in a in a dress suit and kitten heels <laughs> with, a, with a handbag on the grounds of Windsor Castle. I oh, can't I'd like, see. It. I, I'd like to think she does, but I doubt it. Um, it wasn't, to be honest, it wasn't so much having the queen in the in there because it's such a brief scene. But it's just the way that the bit with Syl being pulled back with the umbrella and all that was the bit. Where I just this just it's very yeah. pantomime that yeah. bit, a bit silly. There's a little bit. Mm. Uh, some good parts of the story though. I really like yep. the Cybermen's uh, the Cybermen's entrance. So when the cyber ship comes down, and mm-hmm. um, do you see it sort of you know, slowly coming down and then it parks and then the doors open and we get the, the bright Disco lights, the bright green lights, yeah, and the smoke and stuff and they sort of come out of their ship one by one and then you have the cyber leader and that's the cliffhanger. Mm. I thought that was really cool, really great moment. So, and the doctor knows immediately as well because this is the first time that Ace has seen Cybermen because she's like, who are they? You know, they saved my life, you know, because she was about to get shot, wasn't she, by the Germans? Yeah, and, right. uh the doctor's like, yeah, I wouldn't be thanking him just yet. He's got the right, um, you know, because he he knows exactly what they are. So that, I thought I think, that was good. 
Yeah. It's a good, yeah, I was going to say, it's a good cliffhanger. I think they needed to tighten that up a bit, though, because there's a bit where Ace is going to get shot. And it's a bit like what you said about when they try and escape later, where they take about 10 minutes to actually fire. Because I'm thinking, <laughs> what's the doctor doing at this point? Is he just going to let him shoot her? Because there's an awful long gap, mm-hmm. <laughs> or it seems like a long gap, between them saying, we're going to shoot her. And she's like, doctor, do something. Yes. And it's a long yep. pause. And then the Cybermen arrive and they they save her because they're all distracted. I was thinking, was the Doctor actually doing anything at that point to stop Ace being shot? Because we don't we needed to see that. Because it mm-hmm. the way it's shot and done, it just seems like he's <laughs> just gonna let her get shot. But thankfully the Cybermen turn up. So yeah, that needed tightening up in the edit or direction or something. But yeah. um it is a great moment. And I have to say actually, um the shots of Sylve and Sophie, I, I don't know, that it is pretty well shot actually that bit. I mean, and to, talking about the way it looks, um, like it's just, I think it's just because it's a bit windy and it's bright, and you know, Sylve's just looking over thinking, oh, it's the Cybermen, oh no. And I don't know, I, lo- I loved that whole build up. Like I said, I thought it was really good. Yeah, um, yeah. Not sure why the Cybermen look so shiny. They look like they've been sprayed with some new shiny cyber paint. They're but. chromed up, mate. They are very chrome, aren't they? Yeah, they're actually quite good. They've still got <laughs> yeah. that sort of classic look about them. But yeah. they have to make some advancements. I think uh, one of the things that is hilarious, though, and I think some one of our listeners popped in his review on Facebook, um, they're all wearing the big cricket gloves that just been sprayed I silver. I that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, come on. You guys they were could... hoping Peter Davison's doctor was going to be there and they were going to have a good old cricket match, but they were like, no, it's the one with the silly... Uh, umbrella oh never mind i like this one yeah he doesn't play cricket no yeah just plays the bloody spoons yeah (laughs) of course they talk about that in the making of you know courtney pine the jazz uh, player at the start okay he's like yeah he's like it's such a fun day on set and um he goes of course we're playing and uh, sylvester gets his spoons out and starts playing along at the jazz session and i was like i can just imagine it but he couldn't couldn't resist sort of sat there thinking Better get them old spoons out in a minute. He can't help himself, can he? He can't. Yeah, but he, Courtney Pine did humour him. He said, you know, we just, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned it a while ago, but I was really into, um, I had like a day where I was just watching all the Lord of the Rings stuff. And in the making of the first Hobbit film, in the making of, they have this whole section around Sylvester McCoy when he turns up in New Zealand and he's on his first day of set and all that and he's got his costume on and there's a bit where there must be about 20 people around like uh, peter jackson's there and set designers i suppose and all those people and uh yeah as if by you know on right on cue he's got the spoons out <laughs> and literally mate, everyone's everyone's face has just got that what the hell is this about? <laughs> and he's, he's proper going for it oh, as well and no. you've got peter jackson he's got this sort of grin on his face the whole time he probably doesn't want to let on that it's you know ridiculous but all the other people that are there are just got this blank face like what is what what is this guy doing <laughs> and oh i'd love to see that yeah and he's proper going for it as well he's really There's no stopping him cracking away at the old spoons and then when he's done everyone's like <laughs> <laughs> and he gives a little bow and i think oh sylve oh, when are you going to hang the spoons up mate Never. Never. Never, ever. Even at London Film and Comic Con, he had spoons on his hat. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Never going to give up. No. But yeah, the, um, there are some good moments, I would say, sort of story-wise, bad moments. Um, yeah. Some other good stuff. I mean, 
uh, I really like Ace's. She has her moment, doesn't she? Where what's what's I, I always forget the name of it, but what's her sort of homemade explosive that she Nitro Nine? Nitro Nine, that's it. Um, yeah. So the Doctor is mainly like throughout most of their stories, he's very much you shouldn't be playing with that stuff. You know, he's very much mm-hmm. the plays up father to the figure. father figure. Yeah. So in yeah. a lot of stories. She's got a big sulk on because she wants to blow something up. And the doctor's like, no, you know, you can't do that. And she does it anyway. But in this story, it's great that little moment where he says to her, you know, have you got any of your whatever or can you make any? She's like, yeah, why? And he's like, destroy that, you know, destroy that vehicle. And she's loving it. You know, she's got her opportunity to blow the crap out of the cyber ship. And, and those two old guys get the blame, don't they? <laughs> Eradicate them. Yeah. But I just love the way that she does it. She legs up to the ship. She launches the bag in, goes and ducks for cover. And they do a really good, like, special effects, actually. The explosion is really good. Mm, yeah. When the cyber ship goes up. So that's another cool, like, little moment in the story where you sort of, it's like a little fist pump it's in the air. It's like, go on, Ace, go on. Because she loves it's- it. You can tell that. You know, when the doctor actually asks her to do it as well, it's just like, I don't get this opportunity much. <laughs> I'm going to make the most of it. So, there's a couple of good explosions in this, actually. I love it. In the good old 80s, we used to get proper big explosions, didn't we? I mean, they oh, really yeah. blow yeah. the blow the place apart in, in Greenwich later on. Um, yeah, that, that saying about her rucksack, though, there is a couple of um, slight continuity errors because her rucksack gets blown up at that point um, and it's back in the next story show, Great Show in the Galaxy. And also because ah, the because yes. um, the stories kept getting changed around in the scheduling because they were determined this was going to go out um, uh, on the anniversary, so the 23rd November, but things kept changing. So they had to keep changing the order of the stories. So you might notice that Ace has got her gold, is it an earring or a badge or something? The gold thing that um, she gets given in Great Show in the Galaxy. She's already wearing it, but she doesn't actually get given it till the next story. It's the badge, isn't it, on the it's jacket? It's the gold, yeah, yeah, the gold twirly, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, uh, yeah, so that because Greatest Show then had to go out after this, there's a bit of a sort of blunder there because she's already wearing it. So there's a couple of little bits like that. And the rucksack, she's still got it in Greatest Show where it gets blown up in this one. But mm-hmm. um, I suppose, but then again, you could say, well, it's a timey-wimey show, maybe... <laughs> Maybe these events happened after that. We're just seeing them in a different order, you know. doesn't really matter. But, yeah, it did because it did change. Um, it did throw up a couple of continuity errors having all yeah, these yeah. changes in the schedule at the time. I think John Nathan Turner was uh, doing his nut <laughs> at the time because he was just he was absolutely adamant this was going out, you know, mm-hmm. as the anniversary story. It was, it was not going not gonna to change. Yeah. Yeah. I think we um, – didn't we mention that before about the badge – when we reviewed yeah. Greatest Show in the Galaxy, we said. That's right, yeah. yeah. She's already got it, yeah. Tut, tut, tut. Yeah, just one of those things. Yeah. Um, and in terms of some other little, little story bits before we get on to characters, um, did you even notice that they weren't, you know, that it wasn't Windsor Castle when they were in the grounds and everything? Um, I didn't at the time. No, didn't have a clue. I, th- I thought, because it's Ar- Arundel Castle, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, I, I thought it worked perfectly. I didn't spot it. Did you? I didn't even notice until I... No. read up on it afterwards no, no. I, I went there a couple of years ago i got to tell you if you ever get the chance to go um the castle itself is is lovely uh, the day we went it was shut um oh, no. <laughs> so, look we used to live closer <laughs> to it at the time so it wasn't a big deal so we, we come back uh, the following monday i think or whatever but 
Um, the good thing was, because it was shut, we decided to go and find the fort instead, where, you know, where there's a lot of film around the fort, isn't oh, there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was a fort or whatever it is that the Cybermen are, are in for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, if you ever get the chance to go, it's great because it's just in the middle of a field and it's so, to know, it just, just walking up to it and, and feeling like you're right there where they filmed it all. It's a really amazing place. And um, I even dragged my other half to find that bit where the TARDIS landed. Uh, I was just like, now I've got to find. So we walked, we did actually walk quite a way <laughs> to find that <laughs> blimmin, you know, the bit you're on about where you can see the castle miles off. We had a nice walk because it was a sunny day and um, found that little spot uh, where it landed because there's that sort of cross sign or whatever it is by it, which is still there. Oh, yeah. So, yep. Yeah, but um, and then we did go to the castle the following day, and it was driving me mad trying to work out where the TARDIS landed because I remember it's by a wall. So I was like, "Yeah, but which bit of the castle?" And I was walking around it all day trying to find out where that bit was. Um, and the reason I couldn't find it is because it's all overgrown now. <laughs> so when I watched it back later, I was like, "Now I know where it was. It was all it's all high grass and looks a right mess now. It's right. nothing like that. That's why I couldn't recognise it. But yeah, it's a nice place to go if you ever get the chance. It does yeah, look nice could, actually. You could pretend you're in Windsor because the High Street's very nice as well. Okay. Or you could yeah. be in Slough. Or you could, or you could be in what's the other bit? Because it cuts from lovely Arundel to um, to Greenwich, doesn't Greenwich, it? That that, yep. that warehouse that they film in at the end is now where the O2 is. Yeah. Um, in Greenwich, and so it, I was always thinking that's quite a. <laughs> they don't really go together, those two, do they? You can't. I can't imagine they've walked around the corner from the castle and ended up because they, if they're both supposed to be Windsor. <laughs> In other words, yeah, they're supposed to be. That's yeah. a very bleak part of Windsor, hmm. if it's uh, if it was. But it, I think it makes for a great location, though. I love it. I wish that place was still there. The gas works. The, the gas works. I think it's hmm. great. Yeah. Every yeah. time I go to the O2, I always think oh, I'm stood where they filmed it. But yeah, nothing. It looks nothing like that now. Nothing at all. No. Yeah. Some great scenes though, and some great scenes where um, the Doctor and Ace are sort of just relaxing out, chilled in the yeah. countryside and. And all that is, it's, I mean, in terms of location shots and stuff, I mean, it's pretty much all on location. Mm. You know, um, it does look really good. And um, what's the one that they use? I don't know where it was at the beginning. We're supposed to be in. Where are we supposed to be at the start? Old um, the Nazi place, because it, it does it does work. I mean, they've made it look nice and bright and sunny. I can't think where it's supposed to be. South Africa or somewhere. South Africa, yeah. Yeah, I so, think that's, so I mean yeah. that's quite good. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it was somewhere near Arundel. They just found a house, but um, that's yeah, yeah it works quite well because they've obviously shot it on a nice day. Um, and I like the building that's supposed to be <laughs> Painfort's house. It's just yeah. a shame that they've decided to paint box out the windows at the top. So you've got this lovely house which is real, but in the program it doesn't look real because they've paint boxed out the windows at the top to make you look old and it just looks like a painting because <laughs> yeah, i yeah. you know found that lovely location but didn't really <laughs> didn't really use it but i think i love the locations in this i think they, they all work really really well they are cool and they did um they did use a, a couple of um visual effects to get what they wanted so that house in south africa it has um you can tell that they've sort of you know the sky and the oh background. yeah they treated yeah yeah you know they've done that and they also did it with um uh, so there was a quite a good effect, actually. You can tell that they spent a little bit of time with the details on this one. So when the cyber ship is actually just skimming along, looking for the Doctor and Ace, um, there's a bit where, obviously, that's been put in afterwards, this little model of a ship. But mm. then they've sort of, it goes behind some of the tree branches and stuff. So they haven't just made it float in front of all the trees. Some of the branches actually go in front of the ship. 
Yeah. You can tell it's gone in a tree. And when it lands, instead of just plonking it down on the ground, you can see that, you know, some little blades of grass and some bushes and stuff are actually in front of the ship. So that those little things you actually spot because they're not that it's quite rare to see that in classic crew because time and budget, they just plonk mm. it down and there you go. So it was, it was quite good to see those little details in this. I, I thought yeah. they'd made quite a lot of effort in it. Actually. I mean, I know some of the effects work a lot better than others, but some of the effects in it are really nice. Like there's a lovely shot of the comet going through space at the start. Yeah, yeah. And then there's, there's a one about five minutes later, which unfortunately is not so good where it kind of like <laughs> shoots across the screen. Um, but the, the model shots in it look good. It's some of the other bits, not so good, but but even the ones that don't look good, you're right. You can tell that they've tried their best. It's mm-hmm. not as if they've just thought, oh, that'll do. It's only on screen for a minute. You, you can <laughs> tell that they've really tried their best with what they've got at the time. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, so I think some of the model shots, great. there's a bit where the, um, I keep calling it a fort. I hope it's a fort. Would it be a, what's the other thing it could be? You know the bit I mean there, don't you? That sort of, what would you call it? It's not a folly, is it? Um, no, I think it would be a fort. I it's would a say. fort, isn't yeah. it? But there's a bit where that blows up and it's only a quick shot, but it, clearly it's a model that's blowing up, but it looks decent. It doesn't, you know, yeah, it's not yeah. laughable. It, it, it's not been done, you know, uh, well, it probably was done quick, but it doesn't look like it. You know, it looks like they've really tried to do the best they can. And I like, yeah, the, the Cyberman ship, um, mm. it, it, it's, it, you know, it, it's probably not the best effect in it, but it, it still works. Oh, you know, it does. It's, yeah. Like you said, and they've still sort of, like you said, gone to the effort to try and make it as look as good as they could mm-hmm. at the time. So I, I quite liked a lot of the model work in it, to be honest. Yeah, I did, actually. I thought yeah. that was one of the things that brought the story up a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, the attention to detail and, and all that stuff and the, the special effects, like the explosions and stuff, are all good. There's loads of good explosions, yeah. Yeah, and there's a bit where there's, you know, some of the shootouts between the Cybermen and the, the German soldiers and when they're firing after ace running away you see like the little you know the bullets flying across the ground and yeah and all that stuff and this you know it does look they have spent a decent amount of time making sure that it's it was done to a decent standard because mm. that does in classic who that does suffer a little bit you know that stuff you know oh, it can definitely yeah you can you, when you watch them you know especially in some of the uh the pertwee era you know, some of that stuff, anytime there's like a scene where there's a lot of action going on, it can look a bit. Uh, they they love their green screen in the Perry era, didn't they? A little bit too much. I think that's Barry Letts loved yeah. a bit of green screen. Um, but um, no, I, I mean, yeah, the effects are good, but I also loved the props in it. Again, it just felt like they'd taken a bit of time with it. Like, um, you know, like the Doctor's electronic fob watch and, the, and Ace's awesome. uh, tape, yeah. tape deck, which looks amazing, I think. I it's sort of real that classic. Anywhere. Come on, rubber toe! What are you what are you waiting for? Yeah, the, I would love to have the little stopwatch. <laughs> It'd be amazing, with the, wouldn't it? The digital clock in it—that'd be really cool. Oh, I thought you were on about the tape deck. <laughs> oh no, the the doctor's little um, oh the stopwatch. Yeah, yeah, yeah with the little digital clock—that'd be awesome. Yeah, um, one of them. I also liked the so the the the, the accompanying uh, accompanying props that had to go with the nemesis statue, so the bow and the arrow, because as part of the story, the only way that the um, that the that the living what's it called uh validium the only way that that can sort of get its power is if the statue the bow and the arrow are all sort of brought together complete yeah and um separately they start glowing don't they That's and right. it's really it, it, i didn't know how they how they did that part of it but when the doctor's holding the bow or someone else it's actually glowing quite brightly even in daylight you know a, mm. a bright light 
and uh, sort of um, the the lights that they use on on location as well as you know being a bright sunny day. It's actually even the the arrow itself um, is is glowing quite brightly. So whatever they've put inside it, I don't know how they've powered it, but um, I thought that effect was really good as a physical effect. You know. Yeah, do you know? I I wish I could remember that because on that funny enough on that VHS release. There was an hour documentary produced by an American company, and it was a behind-the-scenes thing, um, which, again, unfortunately, because of copyright, they couldn't release over here on the DVD release. But they went into all that, and you know what? I can't remember how they did it, but it was something unbelievably simple, if memory serves me right. Okay. I think it might have been glowing paint, and I think they shone a light on it just when they needed it. It was something I remember thinking, oh, wow, I never would have, like you, I assumed there was like lights in the prop or you know, a switch, <laughs> but I, from, if memory serves you right, and then, gosh, it's a long time ago since I watched that VHS, but I think it was something really simple. I remember thinking I never would have thought that like something like just aluminum paint and they flashed the light on it or something. Somebody okay. out there is listening. Right. will probably know they've probably yeah, got the yeah. video still. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a very nice effect. Yeah. It looks really good. Really cool. And yeah. the statue as well. So the bit when she's in the coffin and she's covered in cobwebs Ooh. and starts glowing and stuff, it all looks really good. I think the statue looks really creepy, actually. I like it. And I love the bit when, again, a very dated effect, but I really like it. It's when the sort of statue does that weird thing where it sort of glides across the room and gets in the casket or whatever. Did, oh, did yeah. you like that? Do you know what I mean? It's like this hmm. flashing, almost stock motion. I don't know. It's a great, probably very simple effect, but I thought it looked really good. Yeah. yeah. yeah quite quite creepy. <laughs> it actually, yeah, it was creepy. It reminds me a little bit of the um, the clockwork um Oh, the figures yeah. in um, Girl in the Fireplace. Girl in the Fireplace, yeah, it does a little bit, like yeah. the old style sort of theatre mask. Yeah, I French looking. That. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, story-wise, ups and downs, swings and roundabouts. Yeah. Apples and oranges. A bit bitty. <laughs> a bit bitty. Let's talk about some characters. Yeah. So, um, uh, before I want to say anything about sort of the main cast, uh, did you spot the brig? Well, I know he's there, but I can never spot him. He, you can't spot him, can you? Could, did you spot Because I know exactly the scene he's in, but I always freeze it. I'm like, well, which one? I can't. It's just impossible no. to spot him, isn't it? Oh, I thought you was going to say you managed to spot him. No, it's very difficult. So he he's yeah. um, basically he's one of the, the tourists, Crowd. isn't he, at the castle, apparently. But you only ever see him from the back. And it's so quick as well. Yeah. Like You have to pause it. There's loads of people in there, isn't there? There's like producers from the show via Lorimer and oh who else there's all sorts of people in there apparently from you know from behind the scenes that just have a little cameo um I think um oh isn't Morbius I've forgotten his name um Philip Maddock is he there I can't remember there's loads there's just people just random people yes from yeah. behind the scenes of Doctor Who uh, in that very small scene um but yeah it's very hard to see them it's very difficult. And I did, uh, this time around, I thought I'm going to look out for him. Mm. I'm going to, like you, I'm going to pause yeah. it and see if I can find it. Um, find him, sorry, but no, I couldn't, couldn't find no. him. It can, I can have a guess from his like stature and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, um, let's talk about, um, so the Germans, the Germans. Oh. Um, and De Flores and all that. I, um, yeah, I, like you, mate, I just can't see, I mean, they're not, in a way they're sort of, important to the story i suppose because they do provide a bit of because you do think that they are going to make more of themselves mm. um and 
because they sort of form an alliance almost, don't they? So he makes an agreement with the Cybermen that, you know, yeah. they'll, you know, they'll take out, um, uh, what's her face? Uh, Lady Pinefort, you know, he, he'll take them out. You take the doctor out and then together we'll, you know, whatever. Um, which is obviously a complete lie on both sides, but you do think to yourself, you know, they could be something in it here. They could be a, you know, bigger thing than just a plot device, but no, they end up just, uh, um, you know, very then sort of James Bond esque, sort of you know the villain's plan sort of unravels in front of everyone because he's like, yeah. you know, we'll take out the the Cybermen, but oh no, the Cybermen's standing behind you, and he's heard everything you said, mm-hmm. so your plan's now you know down the toilet, and then the Cybermen, he was you know, as soon as that German guy walks off, he's like, nah, once we've got the you know once we've got the statue, he'll you know we'll we'll kill him. So destroy them once we've got that. But you do think that they're going to be a bit more into the story, but unfortunately they just wander around and sit in a transit van for a little bit. Yes, right, yeah. Not too much else. Um, And his performance, I wasn't really, so the main guy to flaws, I wasn't really hung up on his performance really. He looked a bit bland, a little bit. Very bland. What's his name? Anton Differing. Uh, Differing, yeah. I mean, he looks familiar. I feel like I know him from something else or that he's been in something you know, he's one of those actors that kind of face, you know, looks for very familiar. But yeah, he didn't seem particularly um, like he was really trying his best. <laughs> you know, in fact, in fact, I think they say on the making of that he only took the part because it meant he would be in London to watch the tennis. So yeah. I don't think he was yeah. really that into the story. Um, and yeah. I think you can tell from his performance, it does very much feel like he's just reading the lines. Um yeah, in fact, there's a great scene actually on the on the making of on the DVD where he's being grumpy in the van because Silv said he was quite grumpy when he first got on set, um, and then he apparently sort of lightened up as filming went on. But there's a scene of him in the van where he's like a <clears throat> like a child, and he's like, uh, oh yeah, yeah, he's like, what are we waiting for? Like, it's, you know, and, the, and then the cameraman says, we're waiting for Godot, and he goes, ha ha ha, you know, so he does he does seem a bit of a grumpy so and so. Uh, or yeah, but um, I didn't feel he was particularly into the story or given particularly a good performance. I just thought he was there basically. Yeah, he was okay. I remember him from um, uh, as Kramer from Where Eagles Dare. Oh, is he in that? Yeah. Oh right, a reasonable size part in that, I suppose. Um, is he better in that? Uh, yeah, he's actually. Oh, that's a, yeah, an amazing film, and he's 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 quite good in that. Um, but I, but he's been in like, I don't know, hundred films or something. So he's, he's got a recognizable face, but that's the only film that I, that's the only thing I recognize him from outside of this, but yeah. it doesn't still say, Silv says on the making of, doesn't he, that he was moaning about why do I always get this offered the same role? Why I always get offered the same parts or something like that. And it's like, well, I don't know. Cause you, <laughs> cause you look like, <laughs> because you are German. And, you you know, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, not too bad. And then the other German soldiers, not much in it, but there is one soldier that's like his sort of second in command. I'm guessing the you know he has a few lines that he throws in, but yeah. Oh, him, yeah. He's, he, all right. he's a guy with a really slow trigger finger. So when that's it, yeah. So when um, De Flores says to him, you know, kill them, he sort of has a look around. Uh, there they go. 
right now I'm going to fire when there's nobody yeah. there and they're out the door. It's a bit like that bit where Sylve's playing cyber chess, isn't it? When Sylve and Ace come in to get the bow. Well, actually, they come in to put the bow in the casket, I think. Oh, I can't remember now. In the fort, and for Sylve's going, checkmate, illegal move, and all that. And I'm thinking, God, oh, that they would have been shot like as soon as they walked in the door. They never would have done that whole performance before getting out. You know the bit I mean, yeah, where he's like, bow to, bow to Ace is checkmate and all this and in the fort. And then they put the bow in the casket or they take it out and run away. I can't remember, mm. but I was thinking, well, they've just walked in, done all that and walked out again without getting shot. Bits, you know. Yeah, it's a bit. But that's like, you know, like we said, <laughs> it's just you've got to, you've got to go well, it with just that stuff makes sometimes. the Cybermen look really silly. It I does. mean, that is one yeah. thing I really don't like about this story is the Cybermen are blimmin' useless. I mean, they're, they're almost hiding in the bush when old... Um, De Flores goes over and makes that offer. He's like, look, look, guys, I'll sort these humours out for you because they've got these deadly golden arrows. Leave it to me. You know, and I'm thinking, <laughs> what? You yeah, know, David yeah. Banks, cyber leader, come on, step up to the plate a bit more. Yeah, I don't. I just thought they. it's a shame. They were a bit undermined, um, the Cybermen in this story. Yeah, well, let's talk, let's talk about them now then. So mm. um, just completely useless from start to finish. Yeah. They were no threat. They were no, I, I think the biggest threat that we saw was when three of them, uh, so the cyber leader and the other ones sort of surrounded Ace up on the gantries. That's that bit. I love, I love all that stuff going on in the gantry. Yeah. yeah that was cool because you thought, wow, uh, you know, obviously you know that she doesn't die, but you think Ace could be a goner. Um, well, I think actually Sophie Eldred probably thought she was because that gantry is pretty high. It was, I don't think yeah. they'd have got away with that now. Like health and safety wouldn't have allowed it. But yeah, she no, no up, that's yeah. a good bit, actually. That is a good bit at the end. Yeah. Other than that, they're pretty much sort of sitting ducks for most of the time. They just wander forward aimlessly, you know, firing their weapons and not hitting anybody. Um, and they get taken out. Well, first of all, they get taken out by a bloody bow and arrow. Yeah. The gold tipped arrow. And then the doctor says, aim for the chest plate. So Ace just fires bloody gold coins at him. Yeah, it's silly, isn't it? Yeah. So that's, it just, yeah, like you say, it undermines there. Which is a shame, really, because we always back up the Cybermen in the classic years. Because whenever we talk about the Cybermen in newer Doctor Who, we always say, you know, they're not threatening anymore and they're not that great as a monster. But in the classic years, they were a lot more threatening and they were doing the business. But in this one, can't really say that, can you? No, I'd have much preferred to have had less of the sort of Nazi element and more of the Cyberman element, yeah, I think. Yeah. Would have been would have worked much better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I quite like the design of these these Cybermen. Still got the classic flavour. They've just been yeah, yeah. sort of chromed and buffered up a little bit. And <laughs> yeah, very shiny. Very 80s. You know, it has to be shiny because it's the 80s. Um <laughs> You know, and the colour of the suits look quite good and stuff. And yeah, um, the only distinction the cyber leader has is the black handles versus the silver or gold, whatever colour they are. That's it. Uh, it's just the cricket gloves, the big <laughs> cricket gloves that have been sprayed silver. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. But they look it, all right. Yeah, no, they look all right. They, they just, yeah, they just needed to be a bit, um, man up a bit, cyber up a bit. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah. <laughs> cyber up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the uh, the and I also didn't didn't understand why the cyber leader didn't call down reinforcements because there's a bit where 
Oh yeah, there's thousands yeah. of sh- millions of ships. Yeah, there's a bit where the doctor adjusts the um the whatever it is, you know the the tape deck the tape, scanner. Ace's tape deck. Yeah, the scanner thing. He sort of you know fiddles with the controls, adjusts a couple of dials, and then it reveals like yeah, like thousands of cyber warships in orbit yeah. around the Earth. So at this point in time, at least three or four Cybermen have take, been taken out by gold coins and an arrow. So you'd have thought the cyber leader would be like, yeah, it's all going off down here. Could you send a couple more ships down? Because at this yeah. rate, we're going to be, there's none of us going to be left in about an hour. But yeah, yeah they just, that was a waste of opportunity. just sit up there listening to jazz. Yeah. Yeah. That was quite a nice concept, actually, where the doctor... I um, loved that bit. Yeah. Uses the recording that, that or the tape that Ace has got of the jazz and uses it like, you know, to output on that signal frequency so that all that they did, hear is jazz. Yeah. That did genuinely make me laugh. And in, in the way it was intended as well, when the cyber leaders all like, do it now. And they switch it on and it's, and they're like, what is this senseless noise? I thought that was really, I actually really thought that was funny. I really enjoyed that. That was cool. Yeah. So the um, Cybermen, yeah. Oh yeah, sorry, no, go on, Cybermen. Yeah. Cybermen, rubbish. Rubbish, I'm afraid, rubbish, rubbish. in this one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, just before we move on, I have got to ask, who is that American woman in the car? Oh. Because that, for me, was when the story really started to dip. Because I was still kind of with it at that point, and then all of a sudden we got this endless car journey with a stupid... What was that about? Uh, Mrs. Remington. Yeah. <laughs> she's some old she's an old sort isn't she i think apparently john nathan turner was desperate to get her in it yeah absolutely desperate to have her in it so you know all that's all well and good but for me i was thinking what is going on now you know yeah dolores gray Mm. she um apparently she was she's one of those old school um sort of american actress theater people singers Right. Um, you can very much imagine her sort of entertaining the troops. So it oh, was, I definitely can. She's one yeah. of those old American uh, figures. Um, but yeah, another scene that was just completely pointless. Yeah, and uh, I mean that you could understand it in that sense because um, Lady, I keep forgetting her Painfort, Lady Painfort, and Richard. Uh, it sounds like an episode of Keeping Up Appearances, doesn't it? It does, doesn't um, it? Richard! Uh, so they don't have a TARDIS or anything, so they have no choice but to walk. And then we see the hitchhiker getting the... <laughs> those of um, listeners who uh, who grew up in the 80s in the UK would know that there was a very popular car called the old Ford Escort. Mm-hmm. And we see that. We see a Ford Granada as well and the really old transit van. But anyway, the hitchhiker grabs, jumps into the old Escort... And Richard thinks he can have a go <laughs> and uh, he fails miserably. And then she just flags down this bloody limo that just happens to be driving through the countryside <laughs> yeah. with a woman that happens to be looking at, into her family tree that happens to be in the area. It's all a bit convenient, but yeah, um, just the conversation is really random. Yeah, and it's in episode three as well, isn't it? When it should be like <laughs> ramping up to the conclusion and it's just like, it just drags the story out. And it's, It does. Oh, I just don't yeah. understand the conversation because the, uh, <laughs> so Mrs. Remington is saying things like, my ancestors were from around here and, you know, she she says that bit in the conversation, but then Painfort just says something like, 
I shall control the statue. Like, that's right. Yeah. Why would you reply to what she's just said with that? It just completely random and pointless. She looks bemused, a bit like the viewer probably does, doesn't she? She just sort of looks like, okay, honey. <laughs> yeah, she does. Yeah. So that, but that, was, yeah, that scene doesn't work for me at all. No. Um, I mean, the bit with the two skinheads works better for me because I just think it's quite funny the way that they they think they're so hard and they get they get tied up by this woman. That's kind of why I like Painful actually. Is because she just don't take any nonsense, does she? So they're like they're giving it all the old hard talk and she's just like, You will be turned to rats or whatever and yeah. you know, next thing you know, they're tied up in their boxer shorts and thinking, What? Hanging upside down from a tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Told them, sorted them out. Yeah. Yeah. But but that bit worked better for me because it's it's nearer the start. It's just it's just the fact that car journey is in, you know, when we should be sort of really getting deep into the story. I and mean, you could have cut all that out and add a little bit more of the the whole darker doctor at the end because I love all that that's going on, you know. Um, and again, I think a lot of it may have been cut for time and reasons. I think there was slightly more in the original edit. But do you know what I love most about the end scene when she's saying. Doctor, I shall reveal all your secrets if you don't do what I say. I love it that the doctor just goes, ah, go on then. I'm not really bothered. Yeah. And she can't believe it. She's like, what? what? Because, you know, it, it just completely deflates her. It, it, you know, this big threat that she thinks she's got over him, he destroys it like that. And I, I love yep. that scene. I just thought Silver's just awesome. The way he's just like, ah, oh, go on tell her what you like i don't really care anymore she she just yeah i just loved that loved that whole end scene i thought was brilliant yeah it oh it's absolutely that those part that those scenes like that make her character worthwhile and make Mm. her character come to life a bit more it's just those other mundane scenes that she's in it's just yeah it's quite funny when she's firing at the pigeon (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at the start she's just like trying to shoot pigeons oh, like what is yeah. going on you got you got the floors trying to shoot um a parrot you've got her trying to shoot pigeons it's all very random in it yeah it what, do you, what do you bit... actually think we may as well talk about painful and richard because they're, they're the kind of last two aren't they about yeah them. yeah what, what do we think of those two because I, I quite like them <laughs> i i think she's quite funny i mean he's just ridiculous but um i like her i mean him oh you know, he's just playing this cowardly character. But I quite like her. Fiona Walker was the actor. I thought she was quite funny, quite fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I think she's okay. She's she's quite good in it. Um, she has some good scenes, especially the scene, like the end scene that you mentioned, is really good. Yeah, and she does. Yeah, she does have some some good moments in it. And I don't know. I'm sort of undecided on her. Really, she's she's yeah. quite good. Yeah, but. Richard, I thought, was just complete. One thing that amazes me is how the two of them managed to survive the entire story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because that's a very good point. They don't they don't bring enough arrows for a start. <laughs> so they turn up with half a dozen arrows, and they're gone pretty quickly, aren't they? Because yeah. they're such a rubbish shot. So they're gone. And then for throughout the rest of the episode, I don't know how they managed to beat up the two skinheads and tie them from a tree. I don't know, but for you the rest, you can't imagine Richard doing that, can you? Not really. He's a bit of a no. wimp, isn't he? Yeah. And then the rest of the story, I don't know how they survive because they get shot at numerous times um, by both the 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 Nazi, the neo Nazis, and the Cybermen, mm. and they manage to escape. And then you know, I don't know. It just amazes me that 
right through the entire story. They they're unscathed the whole time. It's just yeah. Yeah, it is a bit mad. It's a bit bonkers. I'll tell you what I do like though, is I like the fact that the arrow that's shot into the TARDIS is the final he manages to kill this final site. Although I do think it's silly they're killed so easily, but at this point we've kind of just got to go with it, like you said earlier. But <laughs> yeah. it's just a nice idea that the you know that arrow that's been in the TARDIS all this time gets used to to kill the final Cybermouth. Oh, okay, I like the fact they brought that back into it. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is it? Yeah, so, I mean, as characters, yeah, they're okay. I mean, Richard's a bit of a. I mean, right from the off, he's just starts freaking out, doesn't he? Cowardly. Yeah. And she's like steadfast. She's like, nope, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And it's interesting how it, it's her that ends up because she sort of dives onto the statue at the end, doesn't yeah, it's she? Yeah, weird, that bit, isn't it? So that's where, that's where like the magic sorcery element comes back into it because, mm-hmm. again, in a sort of mad random moment, she just screams her head off and runs towards the, the, the coffin and lays, you know, inside the statue weirdly. And then this special effect starts happening, and I don't know. Does she become the statue? Does she? I don't. I know. didn't get that at all. No, I don't know what was going on there. Very weird. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not bad characters. I've seen, you know, much worse. <laughs> much worse. <laughs> yeah. They play it okay. I mean, uh, who's Richard Gerald Murphy? You know, plays the sort of cowardly character okay. Um, but I just thought, yeah, I thought Fiona Walker was quite good as the pompous lady. Penny four, <laughs> quite liked him. Mm. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, Gerard Murphy. Yeah, I've not seen him in anything else. No, I no, haven't either. I don't know. He's done a few things apparently, but all oh, right. Yeah, don't know. He was in Batman Begins apparently. Is he really? Oh wow. No idea what character, but there we go. <laughs> uh, and then we have so we've done Carl and the Flaws, the neo-Nazi and his sidekick. After all the other been others have been destroyed. Um, right then, Ace. Ace, I think it's a good story for Ace personally. Mm. I think she gets some really good action scenes in it, and um, and I like the fact that she's a little bit scared, you know, and the nice relationship between her and the Doctor when she is scared, and then on the other hand, she like does all the blowing up, like you said earlier, of the, with the Nitro Nine, um, and she's absolutely <laughs> superb at the end on the gantry when she's fighting the Cybermen. I mean, she's just such a great companion. Um, she's definitely up there as one of my favourites. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's a good story for her, uh, despite all the faults that we've said, you know, about the actual story itself. Um, I think when she's in it, I think she's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree, mate. She's, um, Ace is a, she's easy to like. Yes. Ace, because she's so enthusiastic as a doctor's, she really does. She's like the epitome of a companion, you know, she's Mm. got the doctor's back. She's always, yeah. you know, ready to to muck in and uh, and save the doctor if need be. She's always ready for a fight. She's always ready to just do whatever needs to be done. So yeah. she's easy to like because she's such a good companion. And the chemistry between her and Sylve is just brilliant as well. It's excellent. Yeah, yeah, I would probably say, you know, nine times out of ten, you can't fault the chemistry between the two of them and and their interactions and so on but in this story she does have a good one actually she does have a really good and it's interesting earlier you you said that you can see quite a lot of similarity between this and remembrance because in remembrance she has a couple of good tear-ups as well Mm. and she's into (laughs) she's in that story like really she's really into it so it's a very similar performance in this one she's uh but yeah the bit when she gets to blow up the ship and 
she's really in detective mode with the doctor a few times and the and yeah, just the banter. It's it's all good. You can't fault Ace in this one, really. No, no, yeah. I think she's good. Yeah, very good. Isn't it? Very cool. And uh, Mr. McCoy. McCoy. Old seven. Mm. Um, I would say he's great in this. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's very good in it. Yeah. There are some just some moments where his face changes and we get to see that darker side that we mm. so... So if Survivor wasn't the last episode and we went on to have another series, I reckon that we would have seen some brilliant stuff from Sylv. Yeah, I do, because he's very... His doctor can be quite manipulative but not in a nasty way but he always seems to be sort of slightly in the background controlling stuff um you know like i mean a lot of this in this story is down to the doctor isn't it that he's he always seems we've said this before he seems to know what's going on or or he seems to know what's supposed to happen Mm -hmm. um and it's yeah he does he does have this sort of darker side to him the seventh doctor which we get to see more and more of um i'd have loved to have seen another series with Sylve. Yeah, I think he would have. Uh, yeah, I think they would have definitely gone down that route. Um, hopefully, they wouldn't have revealed too much more because um, it's nice to have that mystery. I don't like mm-hmm. it when we find out too much about the Doctor, but yeah, he's 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 great in it. And that that end scene, like you said, where he's you know trying to. Well, he first of all starts off by saying, you know, he looks scared about what Penfort's going to reveal about him, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, but then afterwards, he's just like, oh, whatever. So, yeah, yeah I, I thought Sylve's great in it. Yeah, and it's yeah. when she's reeling off that little speech where she's, you know, it's on the tip of her tongue, she's about to say it, and his face just changes to this really mm. ominous-looking, you know, quite almost a scary expression on his face mm. where he's like, you know, all hell's going to break loose if you say another word. You know, yeah. he's got this real sort of, distinct look on his face and you think oh this is amazing this is so good this is you know sylph does that so well but then like on the other end of the scale like at the beginning of the episode where he's sort of bumbling with the fob watch and he's like oh i've set a reminder but i can't remember what for you know so you've got this kind of bumbling fool of a character who's you know Mm. set an alarm because the world's about to end but he can't remember why or why you know so you've got that aspect as well I'm thinking of other nice scenes as well, like between him and Ace. Like there's the bit where they're um, just like laying down on the on a hill, aren't they, together, listening to the jazz that's blocking the cyber signal. And he's like to Ace, are we having fun? She's like, yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, that's what's great about them too, is they, they've got the adventure. They, they look out, you know, for mm-hmm. each other's back. Um, they're also having fun in between the adventure and it's you know that's i think that's just what makes them such a, a brilliant double act yeah you know i like that scene he's like wearing this she's got his hat on he's wearing like the headscarf and they're just <laughs> totally loving the fact that they're ruining the cyber plans you know it's, it's brilliant and he does a nice little backwards he does to get yeah, up as does. well yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so sylph i would say is great in this even though the story is not fantastic he is still, or him and Sophie Eldred are still, you know, fantastic. Very much on top form. Yeah. 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 Uh, anything else you want to mention before we get on to scores? Mm-hmm. Um, just two little things. First off, um, I thought considering what he had to deal with before the direction by Chris Clough was really good. 
Um, I, I really thought uh, there was a couple of tiny edits, uh, but it's probably more down to the editing than direction. Like I mentioned earlier, it could have been tightened up. Mm-hmm. But I thought the direction from Chris was really good in this, like the shots he got, lots of nice low angles of the Cybermen. Like, again, trying to make them look scary in a story where they were completely undermined. I thought he did a very good job of that. Um, so, yeah, really good direction, I thought, from Chris Clough. I don't know if you agree. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And uh, finally, and this will bring us probably on to our scores, actually, was that... Um, <laughs> I the, some of the music in it was making my ears bleed. <laughs> it's like the the 80s soundtrack. I mean, I actually do like it. Um, the, who was the music? Kef McCulloch, I think. Yeah, um, I do like his music, especially in Remembrance. Um, but he's really going to town a bit in this one. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a lot of uh, crazy 80s orchestra hit stuff going on, um, which was a bit over the top at times. But I I did quite like it. I, yeah. I, I wasn't a fan of the music in this, you know. Uh, is it a bit over the top at times, isn't it? It is a bit OTT, but also I found yeah. it too similar to some of the other episodes. The other it's very similar to Remembrance, but it's not as good, weirdly enough. It, yeah, it's really similar to Remembrance and Battlefield, but it's just not yeah. quite as good as those. So mm. it's okay. It sort of does a job, but it, the mix is a bit out. There's a couple of scenes where it just blasts out the. There's some when it's really blaring out. I'm thinking, <laughs> no, it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so if we're done uh, let's move on to scores please turn to go first I think it might be I think it might be you because I went first last week yeah you i made you swap around. last week yeah, yeah fumbling around i think you're going to be surprised by my score this week um, oh, okay because it's it's probably higher than you're expecting but i did enjoy watching this um despite the fault so i'm going for a seven out of ten i just enjoyed it but okay. it, yeah not the best but i enjoyed it so seven okay. out of ten for me cool um i'm going straight down the middle I'm going with a five. A five. Oh, yeah. I, I was hoping you'd be more six. I thought, uh, I think it's better than a five, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, to me, I mean, uh, throughout, to be honest with you, from the first 10 minutes in of episode one, I thought to myself, I'm a five at the minute. And that didn't okay. change throughout mm-hmm. the whole story. I was just, I thought, yeah, this is a five, a middle of the road, because if the Cybermen were a lot better, because they're the main thing, really. Because if you know, twenty fifth anniversary, the Cybermen are back. They should yeah. be like, um, they should, they should be like the driving force in the story. Definitely. You know, and then just these pointless random scenes everywhere, mm. and yeah. So, I do agree with you. Yeah, it, I do. It wasn't a terrible watch, you know. I'm not going to give it a two, a two or anything, but I reckon a, a, a five for me. Fair enough. Middle of the road. Uh, but what did our lovely listeners think mm. uh, over on Twitter? Uh, if I can find it. So Rick Moran said, uh, the weakest story of Series 25, but Ooh. still very enjoyable. Yeah, it's, I think it's enjoyable. Yeah, not too bad. Um, and uh, somebody else did say something on Twitter. Uh, they said, uh, I will come back to it because I can't find it. Uh, but over on Facebook, <laughs> um, uh, Kevin Mullen says, uh, love the Seventh Doctor. Love Ace, love the Cybermen, hate with a passion uh, the chaotic mess that is Silver Nemesis. <gasps> uh, one of the uh, original series' worst stories is, it, oh. is an unmitigated disaster from start <laughs> to finish. Oh, uh, he says the redesigned Cybermen look good, uh, but they pose no threat whatsoever and are a shadow of their former selves. Uh, 
Silva and Sophie try their best, but the writing is so poor, their efforts are in vain. So overall, a three. A three? three. Yeah. Oh dear. Joseph Howard said, uh, he basically says, hate, 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 hate this story. Mm. Uh, glad I got out of my system. Seriously, though, this story sucks. <laughs> yes. Uh, he said, it makes no sense. The Cybermen are weak and pathetic. Uh, they get killed easily by gold coins and gold arrows, of all things, that baffle the mind. Lady Pineful isn't a great villainess and is just a loony who's escaped from an asylum looking for the nemesis statue. Uh, the neo-Nazi leader was about has all the emotion of a bloody teaspoon and how <laughs> bored his actor plays him and there is no rhyme or reason to this story whatsoever. Frankly, it's a complete mess. Uh, why this story was represented as something for a 25th anniversary is anyone's guess the only good thing about this train wreck of a story is the seventh doctor and ace Mm. Uh, why because they are the only ones that are making an effort with this one but even then considering how silver nemesis is all over the place i feel their potential in this story is wasted thank god this story is the only dud in mccoy's second series uh never again for me please Three out of ten. Oh dear, another three. Oh dear, we're not doing well here, mate. No. Uh, Aaron Ball says, a brilliant story, I'd say. Ah. A story I've always loved. Uh, the Doctor is here is uh, is brilliant and Ace is Ace, pun intended. Cybermen are rather chatty, but here they are great. The side characters are very memorable with an early appearance of the Fez. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, All around great comic book style story I've seen often, and I have to give it a 9.5. Wow. Oh, that's quite a jump up. From one extreme to the other. Right, let's do um, do an audio clip. This is Owen Daly. Hello, Gary and Adam. Hope you're both well and enjoying the show this week. So, Silver Nemesis, 25th anniversary special. It's, it's okay, I think. I think it does try to fit in a bit too much in three parts and probably should have been granted a four-part slot. But uh, yeah, that's just my opinion. Kevin Clark, the writer, must have known what he was doing. The Cybermen in this look fantastic. We have the chrome painting looking superb on this design. And I've got to say, Sylvester McCoy and Ace work brilliantly together in the story. I think the writing is superb. This is my first story I ever saw Sylvester McCoy in and I just love the dynamic between him and Ace. I think they're the best hardest team of the 1980s, the two of them. Work fantastic together. The overall plot i think is a bit sloppy in the story but i think it's all right it's enjoyable enough i'm one i think i'm i will be one to defend the story saying yeah i can watch this and enjoy it uh, even though it's not one i'd rush back to watch i'd say i could watch it and enjoy it and probably watch it in one sitting there's that great um final act scene where you've got um ace showdowning against the cyberman with a catapult and gold coins and i think that scene is just so memorable and brilliant and as a child i loved that it was just fantastic um and it's, it shows the Cybermen's one weakness, and it's something that they tried to use Nightmare and Silver and just kind of messed up on. So overall, I do kind of like the story, but I wouldn't say it's great, so I'll give it a 6 out of 10. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you, Alex. Cheers, Owen. Excellent thoughts. Not too bad there. Uh, Lewis Palmer says, incredibly cheesy, uh, but incredibly enjoyable. Oh. Uh, it's so silly, but you just go along with it. Um, not as amusing as Delta and Abanaman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think Seven and Ace carry this story. Uh, they're my favourite Tardis duo, and they're excellent. Uh, Ace's boombox is cool. The the plot is fairly interesting, and I love the cliffhanger to episode one. The Cybermen are decent, although I have no idea why they're wearing cricket gloves. Uh, <laughs> overall, stupid but enjoyable, seven out of ten. Oh, cheers. cheers. Uh, Oliver Brooks says, uh, it's one of those stories I enjoy, but purely for the sheer over-the-top cheesy nature of the story. Um, is it a masterpiece? 
such as Blink or Genesis of the Daleks? No. But is it one of those stories I love sitting through with a big grin on my face with a beer, watching Ace with a slingshot, fighting over the top Cybermen with 16th century gold coins? Eight out of ten. Mm, fair enough, yeah. Uh, Sammy Satine. So, Seven has set his watch to remind him that the Earth will be destroyed on November 23rd, 1988. Uh, he set it on November the 23rd, 1938. Nice. Uh, also, Seven puts on a fez. See, even uh, Eleven got his love of fezes from Seven. Yeah. Uh, the story is good. I love the bit where Seven says, Ace, you know that Nitro 9 you're not carrying? <laughs> Blow up that vehicle with it. Uh, or words to that effect. I love Ace. Love Seven. I love... Uh, Ace's new boombox. Still, I give it a 7 out of 10. Yeah, thank you, Sammy. Uh, Jeff Waddle says, watch the hell out of this on videotape as well as on transmission. Some good ideas, but poorly produced. Uh, It just doesn't work. Uh, Who were those two agents shooting at the Doctor and Ace at the beginning? What for? Mm. Uh, Sylve and Sophie try their best, but uh, we are now at the stage where a catapult of a gold coin can destroy them. Uh, good grief. All you have to do is hide in a jeweler's shop. What the <laughs> hell are these sidemen going to do then? Uh, Jeff gives it a five out of ten. Oh, cheers, Jeff. A uh, last few on here, short and sweet. Uh, Jason Thayer says, the only good thing about this is Ace using a slingshot on the Cybermen. Steve Gallagher says, uh, sorry, Stan Gallagher says, this was good. Sly, uh, Sylve, sorry, great as ever. Liked how the story brought various characters together. Seven out of ten. And Martin Arnold just says, milady. <laughs> Milady. Anything over on the Geeks handbag page? Yeah, had a couple. So AJ Williams said, could barely make it through it. Aside for some good dialogue for Seven and Ace, it's pretty bad. Should have been one episode shorter. Blimey. He gives it a four out of ten. <laughs> Malcolm Patterson says, uh, using basically the same trick to defeat the Cybermen as Seven used on the Daleks was my biggest issue with the story. Yeah, that mm, oh. I do get that. Yeah. Um James Birmingham says it is one of those stories you can go to watch and think, eh, it can't be that bad as you remember. Great moments like episode one's cliffhanger and the Cybermen chasing Ace. Then you sit down to watch it and realise just how much of a mess it is. A sloppy four-way chase over the nemesis, which is just a glorified tug of war. Oh, and that bloody awful cameo from that American <laughs> woman. Honestly, it is just boring with awful pacing. Really makes you wonder if Remembrance was originally supposed to be the 25th anniversary stories. Then you just thought, nah, just throw it at the beginning of the series to get it, get the viewership up. <laughs> at least seven and ace were great, he says, and he gives it a four out of ten. Okay. Uh, okay, Patrick Sherwood. Hi, so Silver Nemesis. Well, I love it so much. The Doctor and Ace are great in it. And the Cybermen are great. The story is nice. It's not my favourite Cybermen story from the classic series, but I love it. So I'm going to give this story a 9.5 out of 10. Patrick loves it. And uh, just very quickly, these last two, Charlie Turner, decent. That's all I can say about it. Very undeniably decent. He gives (laughs) it a 6 out of 10. And finally... Malcolm Patterson, didn't I speak to him earlier? Oh, yeah, he comments another comment. He says, probably the worst depiction of the Cybermen in the classic series, but they're still leagues ahead of those deletes, delete rubbish, <laughs> referring to the new Cybermen. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so uh, mostly negative, but one or two uh, positive. So a couple of people really like it, but I would say generally a more negative reaction to this one. Yeah. Um, as we normally get, it's up and down, one extreme to the other. But yeah, overall, not great. No. But still not a terrible watch, though. I wouldn't say 
I hated oh, it. Or it's fun. No, no, it's no, I mean, I could definitely sit through it and think, well, I enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't put it up there as a classic. Yeah. Uh, right. We have one more mm. sort of retro review, I suppose you could call it, uh, before yeah. we go headfirst into Series 10 and the pilot. So one more review before we get into that. So next oh, week, <laughs> next week, I have to calm Adam down a little bit there. I know. Easy, easy. I'm excited about Series 10. I'm just so excited. <laughs> Can't wait uh, to review it. Before that, though, we need to give yes. some love to um, Matt Smith. So next week, what are we going to review? Next week, it's Guns at the Ready for a good old shootout. It's a town, uh, what's it called? Called Mercy. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Adam. Oh, that's the one. A town called Mercy. <laughs> Sorry, Gary's Skype picture was blocking the title and I completely forgot it. Of yeah. course you did. Yeah, It's obviously very memorable. So yeah, a town called Mercy, 11th Doctor action next week, so... Yes. It's going to be a rooting, tooting, hmm. whatever. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. Get the old untuned piano out. Yeah, a bit of yeehaw. Yeah. So yeah, it's Uncle Mercy. Uh, look out for the um, Facebook post and Twitter and all that stuff to give our give us your reviews on that one. And I think we're going to do there for 136. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us and sticking with us to episode 136. It's been a slightly, slightly longer one that we had loads of merch and a little bit of waffle surrounding, uh, I'm going to say controversial news, I suppose. <laughs> it did raise a few eyebrows and so on. Take bottle tops off with them eyebrows. Indeedy. <laughs> uh, thank you so much as well for sending in your reviews and thoughts and stuff for uh, Silver Nemesis uh, uh, it's tough to say this but probably not a recommended watch but at the same time not a terrible one Yeah, still a still a Sunday afternoon watchable story for sure oh yes next week the 11th Doctor A Town Called Mercy I think I've only seen this one the once you know <laughs> so have I actually when it went out yeah I think so <laughs> Yes. so it'd be good to actually uh, to go back and revisit that one and I think the ponds are with him in this one aren't they they are aren't they yeah yes. so that'd be good at least it went a blimming Clara blimming Clara yeah I think the last uh, yeah so the last Matt Smith story that we looked at was back in Feb Night Terrors oh so hopefully that's a uh, a step up actually no it wasn't too bad Night Terrors I quite liked it actually that's not fair I didn't mind it but yeah Tower Call Mercy next week and then it's on to series 10 woohoo I think I was going to say Town Called Malice <laughs> oh let it go Town Called Malice let it go mate you can't find him <laughs> let it go head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk listen to all the shows on there plus link off to all the social stuff and also you can find us on itunes and any other podcast app that you listen to just to research of the big blue box podcast also check out adam's channel the geeks handbag yeah here adam is on youtube and facebook and twitter and all the stuff so just do a search for the geeks handbag loads of cool stuff on there Mm. should be a new convention vid out today can't stress how cool 
Adam's videos are on the Geek's Handbag. Check them out. Watch it now before it gets taken down. Indeed. Until <laughs> next time, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... And... Lovely. Lovely.